Give us, give us that radio. Welcome to the Nick and Nat, Matt show. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Matt, we're on week number 12. We're doing our Nick and Matt show. It's Wednesday night, though. Why are we recording Wednesday night, Matt? Wednesday night is because um, what's going on, Nick? Yeah, any... can I can I have my screen? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick's complaining, so he's like, uh, I already complained. I like to see everything that's going on. Yeah, we've got this really cool like multi-view window, so there he can see everything that's going on, including our guest, which we've got a special one tonight. So Nick's you... at. Why are we doing Wednesday night? Yeah. Wednesday night is because I'm traveling to Idle Wild, a disc golf pro tour event tomorrow, catching a flight down to Cincinnati. And ultimately, it's right there in the north portion of Kentucky. Yep. I've never been there. Have you been to Idle Wild before? I have. I went three years ago. Yeah, 2017. I played the Idle Wild Open. So it was awesome. You played. I, did. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have. I attempted to play. <laughs> that's, is that a common theme? Yeah, I mean, that's is that a common so, thing for disc golfers so in general? If, I, if I'm going to pay that much money to play a pro tour event, you're damn right. I'm going to get my money's worth and play as many shots as I can. It's a bold strategy, but divide up your shots thrown and make yeah, them worth more. I exactly. got you. So, welcome to all of our listeners, our viewers. We've got live audience joining us. We've got people listening in their vehicles driving around. By the way. We've got some really super encouraging um, messages this week for our show. People that are saying they're binging us, which I don't know if we deserve that. It sounds kind of gross, but that's what's happening. And they are enjoying it to the point where they're like in one week, they watch or listen to like nine, nine episodes, episodes, which is approximately. Matt, our show's long. Not yeah. gonna lie. It's pretty long. That means they've listened to about 15 hours of us yeah. in one week. So and our guest. And our guest. Sorry for your ears. <laughs> so, um, no, we got we got some pretty cool topics tonight, though. We're going to talk about Idlewild, obviously. Just a little next, bit here. Yeah, just a little bit, because that's the next Pro Tour event that's going on this weekend, actually. And let's not tease the next topic. So, Idlewild. Okay. Brody's going there. Yep. He's a hot topic right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul's there already. Mm -hmm. We've seen his Instagram or whatever, or, or Hannah's posted. Mm -hmm. They're down there. Um, I think a lot of the top competitors are there yeah. so this should be a big event so yep. is paul going to rebound if you will we're going to call it a rebound does he usually perform well after a significant loss his bounce pack percentage is usually pretty good and uh if i'm not mistaken did he win no he won two years ago i don't think he went last year to idle wild yeah i, don't I think, think kevin so. jones won it so kevin jones Ooh. is looking to make back-to-back -back wins at idle wild just had a big win at the mid-america open at harmony bends Mm. And uh, so he's looking to capitalize on another big event for him. And uh, yeah, I mean, did you like see you said, every player is going to be there? Yeah. And did you see Zach Arlinghouse? Now, I've interviewed him mm -hmm. through our other platform, Kids Disc Golf, yep. because incredible athlete at a junior level. I'm talking like since age 13, yeah. 14, 15. He's like actually competing out of his mind at the Idlewild tournament every sure. year. Yeah. He was on lead card last year, I think. <laughs> and this year he's and on he's, feature. Yeah, dude. He's so keep guy, an eye yeah. out for him. Yep. He was the TD pick, I think. And I think the feature card is Kevin Jones, yes, Zach. Yes. Who are the other two? I don't Eagle. Remember. I'm pretty sure Eagle. 
And people are yelling at us right yeah, now how do you not know i know right we'd have to go to disc golf pro tour so that is happening this week who fpo do you think is going to win katrina seems like she's not satisfied at all mm -hmm. she's bothered with it she's a competitor she needs to perform better and that is something that she is looking to do is she going to does she perform well at idlewild i don't remember looking at her stats there i'm not really prepared to talk about that but Paige obviously is going yeah. to be a contender yeah oh, absolutely Paige pierce and uh no i think Katrina and Paige battled it out last year. And I think Paige had made this humongous putt in hole 17 to kind of, yes. you know, not momentum. shut the door. Yeah, yeah. huge momentum. Exactly. Um, well, so it's, it's hard. Just like in the, the, the oh, pro em open em side. Emerson Keith. Okay, he was the uh, right. sponsor pick. Speaking of, and I don't want to take a long time on this. Did you see the Photoshop? of all the touring men yeah. <laughs> changed to the opposite gender yeah and was, the same for the fpo changed to the opposite it was it, awesome because if you saw hannah's <laughs> it looks exactly like her, her cousin, cousin josh Jinx. oh my gosh oh, yeah man it was i actually I, sent her the picture and i was like i was like when, when did josh start playing disc golf crazy so and, yeah you don't have to tell cool. me what she thought about it but i was wondering when yeah. a pro disc golfer sees all of a sudden them as the opposite <laughs> gender what does that feel like so that was incredible you can see the uh jomez posted the um the link to go see that i don't know who made those but it's it's yeah, hilarious who it was. so that was something that was that wasn't even in our topic for tonight but go check that out it's totally funny oh and you know what i just realized nick we don't have any of our um no comments. Yeah, no comments. I was going to say up. something, but I didn't want to keep complaining about how we are lacking in our... So it's we don't Wednesday. Know. We, we don't really do this on Wednesdays, say? but yeah. So here's the deal. If you were live and you were commenting, would you just resubmit your comments? Because yeah. live, they come into us. Anyways, that's pretty funny. So let's talk about real quick in the next um, like six, seven minutes here. Um, MVP Open. It just made an announcement. We always bring up Maple Hill. So here's... What, how okay. can you know? We're literally five minutes We're away here. From it's it, an man. amazing course. Yeah. It's a bucket list course. Um, MVP Open made an announcement. Actually, the Disc Golf Pro Tour made the announcement that um, MVP Open is shifting back. I think it was two weeks. It was swapping places with um, the Discraft. Uh, what is it? The Green, Green Mountain Championships. Yeah. GMC yeah, up yeah. in Vermont. And I talked to Steve, actually, just a little bit before the show here, mm -hmm. Steve Dodge. And I said, hey, the reason for that is so that um, they can make it into New England and quarantine and technically traveling in new england is okay so there's a two-week period between yeah. ledstone so they can go straight from illinois <laughs> to um, vermont yeah jeff spring had posted you could go straight from illinois to vermont to vermont and then quarantine, quarantine up there and yes. then be able to play the event and he's trying to set up this kind of like players bubble up cool. there to where you know at the resort at the resort itself nice. so that players can do kind of like your basic activities and make sure that everything's good with practicing the course and Stuff like that. So that is happening. They swapped. So that pushed it back. And unfortunately for me, I have to make a decision now. It literally falls right at the beginning of a family vacation. Yeah. Now, vacations are hard to come by during this time. And it all was able to work out. And now I go, do I push it back so I can have three days yeah. at the tournament, help film, uh, obviously hang out with uh, some cool pro disc golf talent, meet your friends, you know, that you've been able to see out on tour. Um, and it might work out. Talk to Steve about it. He's excited. And let's do this. <clears throat> We've got five minutes, Nick, to talk about this one thing before we bring on our guest, Mike Shu. Okay. Yeah. Um, and by Love the Joe way, Nick. this is this is a radio professional, a personality. We're gonna build it up. He is a celebrity in the area of his listening audience. And that is and we're seeing him in the green yeah, room. He's laughing in the background. He's like, don't, don't hype it up. 
He's a thousand forty-five rated golfer, disc golfer, and you should see. see yeah. You should see his yeah. skills. So he's going to be coming on in just five minutes. But what I want to do is take a moment here to talk about. Did anybody see what Steve Dodge posted? Did you see what Steve Dodge posted today? I did this morning. I'm, I feel like there's very few disc golfers that are connected <laughs> to Facebook that have not seen. So what, what was Steve your Dodge literally? Posted. Just tell me what your initial reaction was when you saw it. What was your initial? And I can tell you mine. Well, I thought people were getting paid a hundred dollars to volunteer, so I was like, "Damn, that's a." I might just quit the event and start volunteering <laughs> full time. But uh, no, then Which, I obviously, then obviously, I read it and figured out that um, it is actually pay a hundred dollars, and you get this sweet players uh, kind of spectator pack volunteer pack and everything like that and you actually you are able to watch the event because no spectators are allowed so i'll let you kind of get into it i want to look up quickly <clears throat> i'll tell what, you my initial yeah, reaction actually yeah, yeah. my initial reaction was actually like the same as yours i was like i literally was breezing by and i was like oh hundred dollars to volunteer or or to get get a hundred dollars it seemed like hundred dollars and yeah. i'm giving you a hundred dollars we're shopping for volunteers and then i think later i saw it like pull up again like a comment saying um, someone was like, uh, this is horrible. And I'm like, what are they talking about? So I go back and it's literally, <laughs> you have to pay money to volunteer, yeah. <laughs> like give us a hundred dollars so you can volunteer. And then, so I was like, uh Oh, and I'm just going to tell you my reaction immediately is I, I grew up fairly under the spotlight and someday you guys can meet me and get to know me closer. I felt like I was always under the spotlight of like how I was living my life. And I always want to protect against how people view people. Cause I'm like, you can't. <laughs> We do a segment called Judge That Disc Golfer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like you can't know, judge right? people by like just the way they post things online or what they say. Like you can't, you got to yeah. get to know them. But here's the thing. I talked to Steve and I said, Steve, what is going on? And I said, I actually think, you know what? We're going to have to push this topic we are. <laughs> to like the end of the show. Yeah. There's a lot to do with it, but here's the deal. You got a 30 second timer. Go. Yes. 30 second timer. Here's the deal. You're not actually paying a hundred dollars to volunteer. What's happening is you're paying a hundred dollars to spectate. And because attendance of spectators is not allowed that is your only opportunity to view and so it is a ticket to watch a front row and here's my 10 second closeout in the future you will laugh that you were able to spend only a hundred dollars to have a front row seat at a disc golf pro tour event that's my hot take we will bring this topic back up yeah. i'm going to draw an we'll arrow to say back here we will talk about it again <laughs> so yeah and then we kind of have oh and by quick... and by the way yeah you get a player pack or whatever, yeah, like yeah, a sweet yeah, player pack. Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end. You get this large, very large spectator pack, and uh, its retail value over everything that you're getting is over a hundred dollars. So, <laughs> so you can sell don't, it. Don't just look at the link that Steve had posted. Actually, click on it, read what it says before you kind of make a judgment <laughs> call. Because I know there are so many people out there who are like, "Oh my God, pay a hundred dollars to go spectate yeah. or go volunteer disc golfing," but. We'll talk more about that later. We're going to do the internet disc golf questions. Obviously, later. we're going to play Judge That Disc Golfer with yes. Mike. And then uh, we kind of have this cool infinite just posted the for the first half of 2020, the top 50 sellers uh, discs. And talking about that, we'll get into the disc golf collector market because over this last year, the collector's market is huge. It's insane what people are doing, buying a $20 disc and then selling it for like 250 bucks. So we'll talk about that after, but <laughs> there's a lot of comments coming on. Save those for towards the end of the show. I yeah. want to come back to these. People are obviously sharing the opposite opinion of, of paying to volunteer. Yeah. And, I, and I, and I'm not going to say I get it, but it's all about perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping to share some 
and Nick's going to share maybe yeah. the opposite side. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Everyone there's, has a There's going to be a lot of things we agree on, and then there's going to be different things that we obviously differ on. That's that's, that's just the, how that's life. This okay. yeah, that's just how this kind of thing goes. Matt, you've met our guest, Mike Shu, and now guess what? I had to learn his last name not phonetically. I had to learn it by audible. I had to hear it because the way it's spelled is H S U. So let's go ahead and bring him in. His name is Mike. Shoe and uh, here he is on screen. But let's say hi to everybody. How are you doing, Mike? It's uh, H as in shoe, S as in shoe, U as in uvula. Nice. Nice. Always remember that. <laughs> and so, uh, you, I don't know. I can't even ask you how you learned it growing up. You must have got asked all the time, right? I mean, what's your last name? No, you're spelling it wrong. First day of school every year, complete nightmare. <laughs> you know, rolling through the the all the Sullivans. And the Fitzgeralds, and then it was Mike Hussu, yeah. and I had to raise my hand and go, "It's shoe, please, just <laughs> skip me, just, just skip, skip me." me. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> welcome on the show. So, let me just—we kind of already teased it out there, but you are a radio personality, or actually, we should ask. I mean, some things have changed this year, but that's how everybody knows you. Can you tell us a little bit about your history in the radio industry? Literally, like, just maybe the recap of like, here's how it all started for me. Here's where I got to. Maybe you can share. What was the listening audience size like in general? How many people were within your listening area? All that kind of stuff. Would you mind sharing your history of the radio industry? Yeah, I, I got into radio. Um, it was uh, an interest of mine from a very, very young age. Uh, it, we used to do a lot of road trips, my parents and myself. And we had uh, just an AM band radio in the 77 Datsun we used to drive around. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> And, uh, and it sounded like the guys that we traveled from state to state and my folks would, you know, try to find stations as we traveled around and the guys on the radio sounded like they were having a blast. And I, I was like, I, you know, I want to do that. I want to do that. And finally in high school, I went to, uh, the Connecticut school of broadcasting. Uh, and that's when they had a weekend, uh, high school program. And, uh, from there I got an internship at WBCN in Boston and I interned with Charles Laquadera and the big mattress and met some really amazing and talented people doing that. And, uh, after I graduated from North Adams state college, I worked in uh, Virginia and Richmond, Virginia and radio down there. And, uh, during the nineties, a lot of radio stations like now got sold. Uh, and, uh, the station I was at, uh, was one of them. So it gave my wife and I a chance to move back here to Massachusetts. And, uh, I was lucky enough to get a job at WAF part-time. And then I weaseled my way into the Hillman morning show, which I did for a few years. And then, uh, they let me loose uh, at night and I used to do a metal show called harder, faster, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and then they put me on in the midday and I did that for 10 years at WAF, the middays. And then, uh, they put me back on the morning show for the last couple of years of the Hillman morning show on WAF. Wow. Uh, and then, uh, I took over afternoons after Greg Hill went to WEI. And then unfortunately, uh, someone ponied up the money that Entercom wanted for WAF uh, and that kind of ended my career and Mistress Carrie's career and and a lot of other people, you know, at WAF anyway. But I was there for about 20 yeah, years. Dang. I've been yeah. in radio. Did you um, did you have the, the voice 30. for radio or did you develop that just out of curiosity? Because people now are going to be listening to our voice in the podcast and they're going to tell a pretty significant yeah. difference from when you're talking and when <laughs> we're talking. If I try to talk like you, I'm going to have like so yeah. did you have to develop that? Were you born with that? 
Um, what you need to do is smoke two Marlboro 25 packs a day and drink at least a half a bottle of Jack Daniels before noon. Now, uh, I had, uh, I guess I had some kind of voice because when I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, I remember one of the instructors there, his name was Tyler, just the one name, the one radio guy name. He worked at WHJY in Providence. He said, you know what, you've got a good voice, so you should really, uh, try to work on that and nurture it. And, uh, so they they worked on my I had a little bit of a Boston accent. They worked on mm. that and totally got rid of any kind of uh, identifying character I had wow. in my voice. So now it's, you know, but yeah, the cigarettes, the Philip Morris company and and the the Jack Daniels company. Definitely how much helped out how much joking and are you being facetious with that? How much is that? Is that a small percentage, large percentage, fully joking or not? Well, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't want I don't want anyone to get the idea that smoking is a good thing because it's not. And I haven't smoked a cigarette in 16 years now. Good for you. And it is very addictive because I get cravings to smoke every single day still at least once. But I think, yeah, that had something to do with it. The uh, I was also in a band in the 90s, so I may have rearranged mm. my vocal cords uh, by screaming mm -hmm. into a microphone for like 10 years. And uh, so there was a lot of factors that went into it. I, I can't say that I do a lot of things. Uh, a lot of other people who use their voices work, uh, do, I don't like sip cups of hot tea with honey or herbal stuff. I, I, I rarely, and this is just my fault. I rarely like warm up, you know, the way I should before I do any kind of voice work. But, um, if you've, you know, it, it, it doesn't, these days, I don't think it matters if you have like this big booming radio mm. voice, you, as long as you've got a great personality and you're a great storyteller uh, and and you just have good character, I don't think your voice really matters. I don't think the quality of your voice matters. As long as you have something that people want to hear and they want and they're entertained by and you can entertain people, you could have a voice. You know, like I said, I interned with Charles Lacquadera. Uh, on WBCN. I don't know if you guys are, are old enough to remember who. Not, no. I'm not, I mean, I'm not I'm super familiar. I can talk to my parents about it. <laughs> yeah, you could probably yeah. talk to your parents about it. But he he did not have a radio voice. He had kind of a whiny voice like this. And he was in it. But he was a funny guy. He's a great storyteller. He had he was very creative. So that that was mainly, you know, you don't really need the big voice. I mean, if you're going to try to do commercials yeah. or you want to be the guy that does the trailers and go in a world you know someone stuff like mentioned that. let me let me just uh, say this someone mentioned to me because they heard we were going to have you on as a guest and they said um that you are good at or familiar with doing voice impressions in general you just you know you just let out a few there do you just do that on the fly nope. or do you actually work on any specific ones do you have any in your repertoire of voices I don't really, I'm not a good, I don't think I'm a good guy with impressions. I can, I just okay. do them on the fly. And if I can get it, you know, like I used to work with a guy named Kevin Barbary, who was on the Hillman morning show on WAF. And he is, uh, when it comes to that, he's a genius. He can listen to you for 10 minutes and have you down. <laughs> you know, I think he may be an alien. That's it may awesome. be some kind of, you know, alien power he has, but he, he was amazing at that. I just kind of throw things like I can't do an impression. I can do like a one word impression, uh, or something like that, but I can't <laughs> sustain it yeah. for like minutes. Awesome. You know, so outside the radio world, you've gotten into our beloved sport of disc golf through all kind of like the business busyness that you've done. How did you get into the sport? Well, I live like five minutes from Newton Hill mm -hmm. here in Worcester. 
And, and just for our listeners, for years, Newton Hill uh, is only about 10 minutes away from Maple Hill. So just for regional purposes yeah. to our listeners. So yeah, Newton Hill, go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're truly blessed here in central Massachusetts yeah. with uh, a great choice in disc golf courses oh, that yeah. are close by. Uh, so yeah, I, I used to walk my dog over there. I used to just take walks over there. It's a beautiful little park. You know, when there's, uh, you know, there aren't people camping out there, uh, you know, early <laughs> this is in the a morning. city course. Yes. And it is in the middle of a city. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, but I used to see guys playing there and it looked like a lot of fun. And it took me a couple of years to get off my butt and just go on to Amazon. And I bought a Discraft, you know, four disc starter kit with one of those little Discraft uh, weekend bags. And I just just went out there and started throwing. And, and then I started watching stuff on YouTube and how to throw. And then there was a lot of great people who really helped me when I started. And I don't, I, you know what, maybe mentioning them is probably not a good idea because I'm still really <laughs> terrible, but, um, <laughs> I have to, you know, I, I play with these guys every weekend, Kevin McCormick, yeah. who's kind of like the caretaker yes. of uh, Newton yeah, Hill yeah. disc golf. And he just put up him and a team, just put up those new red baskets I, there. I don't I know if you guys had a chance, but I finally played it last what, a couple days ago, maybe like, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, the first time I played them was this morning mm -hmm. with him, and I was cursing him the whole time, saying, "Why do you do this? Why? Why do you hate us? You know, why are You're you putting this stereotype here disc golfer uh, right there? Yeah. I mean, I think we all feel the same way. So you discovered it in yeah, Worcester, but um, um, yeah, in Worcester, right up the street, and and uh, I just started throwing, and so guys like Kevin McCormick, and I don't know if you know Rick yes, Mahoney, Rick, we call him Rick Rick. The, Yes, because oh, really? like there's a recreational called, division, and so we called him Rec Rick. <laughs> Rec Rick. He's uh he taught me a lot, and then uh, I don't know if you guys know Gary yep. Sear. Um, he uh actually took some time to come out and really got with me and taught me how to drive and get my form down and all that stuff, and then um you know and he gave me a few discs that he thought would work well for me. So you know that's the thing I love about disc golf is that it seems to be very inclusive. Like the people who are playing and who have been playing a long time, if you're new, they are more than willing to, to help you out and, and, and kind of show you the way and get you into the sport. And that's one of the things I really loved about it. All the people I've met, um, for the most part, have been really, really great about putting up with my terrible playing. <laughs> Can I so. say, I remember, so last year, or was it two years ago, time is crazy, especially during COVID. Um, we did a kind of a charity slash you bring UNWAF mm -hmm. disc golf event out uh, west of Maple Hill area. And last minute, a lot of things had to change, but a lot of people enjoyed that. That's where I first met you. And um, I will say the same thing. Everybody around, they're excited to see you as a radio personality, but we're all disc golfers. And I think you probably experienced that. Um, can I actually ask about that? So considering... Massachusetts, the reach of your radio show as it was, um, when people saw you on the course, what was that like? You said they're inclusive, but did anybody be like, oh my goodness, I know you, like, and what was that like? Are disc golfers generally cool in that sense? Or was it kind of like, hey, I just want to play my round? Um, no, I mean, th yeah, there, there was a lot of people that day. You know, of course, I, I, we promoted it heavily that I was going to be there. And, and, uh, I tried to get the station to promote it as much as possible. Let me tell you that I had to hold a, a, a gun to a lot of people to actually get them to do this event. I've been trying to push them to do a disc golf event and we were only kind of like 
half sponsoring it anyway. You know, I <laughs> yes, mean, that was as yeah. much as I could get with bullets I had. And uh, but no, like everybody, you know, that I ran into there, the, everybody that I run into and they say, oh, you're you're Mike Shue from the radio uh, is just really nice. And and uh, and quite pers- quite honestly, that doesn't happen uh, a lot. So I really I, I actually kind of enjoy it. But uh, um, but no, everybody's so, very cool. You know, and what I like is that after they say, oh, you're Mike Shue from the radio. It's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, OK. And then they'll say something like, oh, well, what are you throwing here? And it gets <laughs> yeah. right back into disc golf. You know, and it's just it's that's what I love about it. You know, people are just so chill and laid back and they really want you to do well. That's what I've experienced. And I think it is such an incredible we could do a whole show on how easily and accessible and how awesome it is playing with important people, celebrity, professional disc golfers. It is very cool. It's not like any other sport at this point in its history. Can I ask though, bring it back real quick. You mentioned the radio show having Mm -hmm. to hold a gun to their head to promote it at all. Can I ask, because I have actually, I've heard some of your show and when they would, you're now your co-hosts or whoever it was, they would, they would rib you. They'd make fun of you. Hey, you're going to go play your disc golf game or whatever on the air. Can I ask you like in Mm -hmm. general, people make fun of it and I've heard it happen on your show because they're probably just picking Mm -hmm. on you, not necessarily the sport, but why do you think that's the case? Why do you think people feel like it's a funny sport? Do you have any insight into that? Yeah, I, I think it's because that there are certain things that uh, are related <laughs> to the sport. There's a certain perception. Feel free of the to sport. share your perspective openly. Yeah. Okay, I know this is a family-friendly <laughs> show, so I'll try to be as careful as possible. But there is a, you know, there is a heavy connection to say uh, craft beer and possibly craft uh, <laughs> cannabis. And so people obviously automatically think they see a disc golfer out there and they're throwing a disc. That guy's mm-hmm. stoned, you know, that's, that's like an immediate thing. And, you know, look at where we live. We live in mm-hmm. new England. It's all about the Patriots. <laughs> you know, people look at disc golf and they're like, you know, Oh, that's not even a sport. And I'm like, well, you know, neither is ball golf, <laughs> you know, ball golf. You can say the thing. Oh ball no. Golf, right. And by the way, they hate it. They hate it when yes, you say here they ball come. Golf, if anybody's I, watching that likes golf, they're going to, they're here now. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, I think it's because of just the nature of throwing frisbees and what that has meant through mm. time, through the seventies and the eighties, and it's related to the hippie culture and stuff like that. So, and I also think there's a little bit of, of, uh, you know, it's just, uh, they, they don't know what the sport's about. I'm sure some of those people that were making fun of me or the sport or whatever, um, got in and played and met some of the people I met, they'd feel a lot differently. You know, I mean, there's there's also a lot of, of uh, ball busting that goes on during yeah. during play, as you guys mm-hmm. know. So it's uh, it's all good, you know. But I, I think that, I think there's a there's a certain connection between disc golf and yes. certain other things that lead people to believe that, you know, we're afterwards we're forming drum circles <laughs> yeah, and we're playing hacky yeah, sack exactly. and all that in, stuff. Kind of the yeah, persona that we have yeah. in the disc golf world, and that kind of you know what you just said kind of answered my next question was you know pretty much what does disc golf mean to you? But obviously the you know, friendly aspect to it, the activities that you do while you're playing disc golf. I mean, did that kind of come right off the bat? Did you think of disc golf like that before you started playing? Mm. Um, no, I just, I, I, it looked like a lot of fun. Once I started playing, I started discovering, you know, what a lot of people, you know, did and used as swing oil or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, um, 
And that was something that I realized that, well, I don't play as well when I partake in a lot of that stuff. But um, to me, disc golf is like if I couldn't play disc golf, uh, I would probably do something terrible mm. and end up in the news. Interesting. It is, it, it is much like I also meditate. So it is much like meditation where I can go out and I can take my mind off of everything and just focus on my game. And like, I'm, I'm not good at all, but I can just get into the moment where I'm playing and that's it. And it really helps me organize my thoughts. It, it calms me down. It makes me feel good. And that is really the number one reason why I like to play disc golf because I just feel good playing. Yeah. I feel good. And I'm, I'm sad when I'm done with a round you know, and, and, uh, I, I, I dream about disc golf. I've woken up throwing. I don't know if you guys have those dreams. I'm not there yet, but I, I've, I've woken myself up like, like just my arm extended, you know, and a couple of times my wife has been like, you were swinging at me last night in your sleep. And I was like, no, I think I was dreaming about, wow, you know, 13 uh, yeah. Newton Hill. And, uh, well, you know, you were so talking it's just something I really love. So that's, that's what it is. That's why I like it. It just, it helps me just deal with you, life. You are relating. You said before we brought you on in the green room, and I hope you don't mind. You said, I'm probably the most like, um, how did you put it? The, the least qualified, there you go. Yeah. Person. Most unqualified person yes. to bring on the show. Yeah. And, and if, obviously if you look at our guests, we brought on a lot of, I would consider them either powerhouse or very deep into the game in a professional yeah. sense. Um, but we wanted to bring someone on who had some status, let's say, and I know you're very humble about that, but some status in an area where disc golfers are and you were introduced to the sport, as you said, and you were welcomed and we wanted to hear your perspective coming from outside to in. Whereas Nick and I learned about this game uh, 14 years ago, Nick, maybe a little less than yeah, that, but, less than that but, but we're interested in your perspective. And so let's just get to know you a little bit better. You said it's awesome. The things that you do, you dream about it. We've all probably been there. Um, how many putts <laughs> from the circle's edge, if, if you understand the circle, 10 meters out, we give you 10 putters. How many of them are mm -hmm. likely to go in the basket from that position? About 10 meters out, 33 feet or whatever. Um, if I've had uh, a couple <laughs> of beers, and th that helps me not think about it so much. I know you guys know how mm. important that is. Uh, uh, maybe uh, four, Okay, I guess. I don't know. It depends. I try not. Oh, that's my problem. I overthink yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. So don't overthink the putt. Just get up there and just do it. My uh, one of my buddies actually, right. a local around here, texted me, wanted to ask a question. Wow. Wait a second. If yeah, you have, if you, if you, you have, have my Nick number, you can text me and get <laughs> answers just wow. like that. And so I'm gonna shout him out really quick. Go Joe, ahead. Joseph Jaskus on Facebook. Um, he said, ask him what happened to LB and did he ever try to play disc golf. He said, LB worked with you. And then I asked, who is LB? And he goes, Lyndon Byers, player for the Bruins. So. Yeah. Yeah. I worked, uh, LB used to be uh, Cam Neely's, uh, I guess you could say, protector on the ice uh, back in the day in the uh, 80s, uh, early 90s, and those great championship runs mm -hmm. the Bruins had, you know, when Ray Bork was on the team. But uh, LB was one of the NHL's most uh, fiercest, uh, I guess you would say, goons. Uh, his job was to get out there. Anybody that messed with Cam Neely, he'd take him out. And then he was the sports guy on the Hillman Morning Show for like 20 years. And uh, LB, unfortunately, lived like he's lived five lifetimes 
to our single lifetime that we're not even finished with yet. Um, so he's kind of, he's in rough shape and he's talked about this on the air. So I'm not really speaking out of turn, but you know, he's had both hips replaced a couple of times, you know, he's broken like every bone in his body. He has drank oceans of vodka. Um, he, you know, so it's, he's lived the life and now he's kind of paying the bill for all that. And so after he left the station, you know, he, he tried to, he's trying to take care of himself now, which is the number one thing. And I'm glad he's doing that. Um, so he's, he's, that's what he's doing now. He's doing okay. Um, he's just dealing with some physical issues that I think any professional athlete, especially hockey players deal with at this point in their life, you know, just trying to keep their bodies together and trying to, you know, trying to make it happen, but he's, he's doing all right. I I've spoken to him just a couple of times and he, I've always invited him to come out to play disc golf, but I'll tell you right now, the way his knees and his back, uh, are he'd last maybe a couple of baskets and and then he'd have to just sit down and, and have a few beers. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the athletes and kind of how their body experiences, especially back then for hockey players, you know, they're, they had less padding than they do nowadays. And so the, and I'm assuming the play was probably more physical. I've never been a big hockey person, but I'm assuming the play back when he was a player was definitely more physical. You could get away with more than you can nowadays, I would assume. So, yeah, taking a toll on your body, I, I oh, can't yeah. imagine what that's like. I mean, I'd, I'd get absolutely destroyed playing on the ice with any legitimate hockey player. Okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Everyone, no yeah. one had anything to say. I'm usually cutting people off. And so I'm like, no, I'm just no, going to sit I there myself off. and I'm going to let that sound just ride yeah. out. Okay. So let's, let me ask you this. Is there somebody that you regularly play, play with? I think you mentioned uh, a local obviously, but is there someone who's like your disc golf buddy, like who does that with you? Or do you do solo rounds often? Or what is that like for you? Um, I just try to, to play whenever I can, but usually every weekend it's uh, myself and Kevin McCormick, who I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, and uh, Rick uh, Mahoney, uh, and uh, and then uh, my friend uh, Tim LaSalle, who he had played a lot. He helped build the Buffumville mm. course, and uh, with Jake oh, Gould. Okay, yeah, and can I shout out to Jake, Jake Gould? By another- the way, Jake Gould reach. He's yeah. the one responsible for this show tonight. I didn't tell you that. Jake Gould, another local. Now, to all of our, our national audience and yeah. whoever else is listening, they're like, we don't know all this relationship, but just take it in. This is the disc golf community you're probably a part of as well. If you're listening to the show, these things are happening there as well. But Jake Gould reached out and said, you know who'd be a great guest on the show? I was thinking it'd be Mike Shue. And so that was about a month ago, and we finally made it happen. So shout out to him. But so you have these people you play with regularly. Yeah. You've made yourself um, yeah. a disc golfer in the community just like anybody else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and every weekend I play with the same guys. There's another guy named Jason Ericalian who started playing when I started playing. I think I've only started, I've only been playing for like four years or five years or whatever. Um, not very long. I wish I had started a lot earlier yeah. like you guys, but, uh, so these are the same guys. It's the same group. Uh, Mike Lucy, who mm-hmm. used to work over at, uh, at Maple Hill used to call us the <laughs> breakfast club. Cause we were always there at 7am. Wow. Cause we all got kids yeah. and stuff. And, and uh, so we get there early, we get our round in, and then we'd go home and deal with what we had to deal with. So we were always the first people there. Um, and it's the same guys all the time. I mean, there's different people, of course. And I, you know, whenever I can, I can get out there and throw mm-hmm. a solo round. But yeah, it's a, it's a usually the same group of old dudes out there sweating nice. and uh, walking up yeah. and down the hills. <laughs> you but, mentioned you had, I think you just said it. I, I literally missed it. Like, as you were saying, you said you do have kids, right? 
I have a, I have a daughter. She just turned 16. 16. Has she thought anything about your new hobby over the past four or five years? Does she think it's cool or does she have uh, friends who do I it? Tried. I tried so hard to get her into it. And, you know, with kids, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to mm-hmm. force them to do anything. It's like piano lessons. You're taking <laughs> piano lessons and then they end up yes. hitting the piano, you know? So I tried to get her out there. I bought her a couple of discs and I, you know, we played mm-hmm. Panks at pyramids and I took her up to Newton Hill and, and she, she tried, she just, it's just not her thing. She's, she's not really impressed. She kind of like That's rolls fair. her eyes, you know, she's 16. So it's <laughs> like, Oh, disc golf, whatever. <laughs> my dad, you know? <laughs> I don't want to do whatever my dad's doing. So, so you eat, you know, eat, sleep, breathe disc golf yeah, exactly. at this point. You talk about how you dream about it. Do you follow the pro scene at all? Do you like watching disc golf, like YouTube channels or anything like that? Do you follow along? I, I don't very often, but when I have time, yeah, I definitely try to watch a little, mostly to see what those guys are doing and and looking at their form and, you know, just seeing how how what they can work on. It's also nice to see the guys at that top level hitting trees yeah. also. <laughs> it, it makes me feel better about myself. Very good. You know, so, you know, it's yeah, very encouraging. Oh, 100%. That's a, that's a great perspective. Yeah. It's true. It's like, yes, I want to play with you to watch you be human as yeah. well. That's what I love about them going to play wooded yeah. courses. Like open courses, yeah, I've seen you throw 500 feet a bunch of times, but when you're at a wooded course, it's fun because they do sometimes hit that first available tree that we've hit <laughs> hundreds of times. So, <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. Before I had one last quick question and I don't know, I don't want it to turn into something really long here because we're not really a radio show. We're also not advertisers, but you being in the radio industry for as long as you were, you said 20 years or so. Um, Well, so a long time. Radio thrives off of advertising. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is literally the revenue stream is advertising. Um, so Absolutely. you understand the importance of that then. And I think even on your recent podcast, you have found some form of sponsorship or advertising. Um, mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, with you understanding how important it is, do you have any ideas just in general how disc golf can be more invested in advertising? And how do you get those av- – like were you a part of securing advertising? What do you promise to them? You know what I mean? Like how do you get – disc golf to that same place where we say, Hey, you're going to have a million views on this. I mean, is that what's important? Um, well, yeah, I, I, over those years I've been involved in trying to, uh, secure advertising and work with advertisers. And I think the best way to go about it is to make someone or to just not sell somebody so hard. People know when you're trying to sell them. And if you can, if you can tell a story that's relatable, I think that would be more appealing to people if you want to try to get them interested in your product or disc golf. Um, I think it's just a matter with disc golf, especially, I think it's a matter of getting people out there just to throw around. Mm. Um, because once they get that feeling and I'm just totally basing this on the feeling I got once they get that feeling and then they become addicted like that, once they find out how much fun it is and once they find out what the people are like and, and how friendly they are and, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're throwing at. I think, I think that is something that's important is trying to get people to try it. If we had like more events where, um, like you, you rent, do you still run kids? Disc yes. Golf? Uh, and I am wearing the hat right now. Yes, I still, I still do. Yeah. We promote this year obviously has been like a, a, a weird pause year, but as far as, yes, we do, we, mm-hmm. we do promote that for the youth. 
We should do something like that for like adult disc golf, you know, like for adults, like a camp or something, you know, because that's a yeah. great program. You know, that's where you want to get the kids in there and, and it helps grow the sport. And uh, but if we could like appeal to adults who were who like me, who saw people playing and were interested in doing it, but don't know where to take the next step to that to that that's, point. Yeah, I don't, don't want to put you point. I like that. I don't want to put you in the same bucket as my dad because the ages I don't know if they line up or I'm not. But the here's the deal. Teenager. <laughs> my dad found the sport a year ago and I've been playing it for 14 years and a year ago he's like maybe I'll go out and try it and he is hooked beyond all hook just like you're saying I mean I think he's dreaming it he's probably listening to this show whether or not it's live right now he's listening and <laughs> he's thinking about where's his next tournament and he's even talking to me about hey I might be driving three hours to go play a tournament what do you think and I'm like Oh my goodness, Dang. like yeah. you were as hooked as I was 14 years ago. Yeah. So to your point, yes, but that introduction, do you think, and let me ask this take on it, because everyone kind of agrees like, oh, let's introduce more people, but what do you think that's gonna do for the sport if all of a sudden, we and COVID-19 actually is proving that this is true, manufacturers are booming right now, um, with do we want a lot of people to come to the sport? How is it gonna change it? Well, I mean, do you not want a lot of people to come to the sport? I understand why you wouldn't want that because, you know, I see it, you know, on Newton Hill, um, you know, there's tons of people out there playing more than when I started playing. And a lot of people see that and go like, oh, it's so crowded now and stuff. But, you know, you want that. You kind of want that. You want people to be aware of it. I mean, it depends how you want to grow the sport. Do you want to be like WWE <laughs> or do you want to be like, you know, Major yeah. League Baseball? I mean, it, it's... I, I welcome it. I mean, I just want to share. To me, it's something like I'd mm -hmm. love to share. Like people always ask me about it, and I would say, "Well, doesn't come out with me. Come out and play with me. Come out with my me and my friends, and and just throw. You don't have to throw like every hole. You know, I just did this with my brother-in-law uh, a few weeks ago at this private course out in Greenfield, and um, and I was just like, just come out. Just, you can use some of my discs, and he just he loved it. He fell in love with it. Uh, I just to me, it's something I want to share that good yeah. feeling. Mm. You know, and, and, you know, you can always say, well, we should increase the the size of the purses <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, I just wanted I your perspective know. on I, it, that. And, and that's exactly what I was looking yeah. for. It's tough, you know, growing the sport in the sense of like what Mike's talking about is just bringing people into it. I've, I've been playing for, you know, seven plus years at this point now. And I have a bunch of friends who really finally got into the sport this year. You know, during the whole pandemic, they're looking for things to do. And now they're all obsessed with it. They're buying discs. They're trying to buy certain disc graph ones because those are the ones that I'm throwing. Those are the ones that Paul is throwing. And it's insane. So for the casual aspect, I you know, I love growing the sport. And I think there's a difference between growing the sport casually and then growing the sport competitively. Like that's just two completely different topics when you're talking about sponsors and advertisement and where money's coming in compared to just bringing out a local buddy. You know, it's easy, like Mike said, you know, hey, use a couple of my discs. Come out, don't throw every hole, throw six, maybe we'll play nine holes, go find a short course or whatever. So they actually can have that feeling of, wow, I can get to the hole in three or four shots if I do it correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't go out and play Maple Golds for the first <laughs> round. But... Have you ever played Maple Golds, Mike? No. Can we ask what, what no, course I, you I primarily play if you go to Maple Hill? Uh, well, we usually okay. do reds, uh, sometimes we do reds and then we, we go to the, the white in the back, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, uh, and red, white, and yeah, blue every yeah. now and then, you know, which I really enjoy. I have not played golds <laughs> or blues all the way. If you want to continue um, to enjoy fun. the sport, don't play golds. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, you, you know. Have. Speaking of, a right. lot of what our questions were on the Facebook post Matt had posted earlier, people are obsessed with your bag. And there's something in specific, the putter of your choice, mm. that everyone's asking about. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. what is it? Give yeah, us kind of a rundown. Down. What does Mike Shoe throw? Um, I get a lot of uh i get a lot of flack for throwing the arrow b arrow <laughs> and um i blame rick mahoney oh. for this he was throwing the, uh the arrow and uh i love it ever since the first yeah. time i threw it it's uh you know a lot of people call yeah. it the dog dish they call it the uh the lid it's like the lid off a five gallon coleslaw <laughs> bucket you know, and and I'll tell you, during team challenges, you know, one of the best things about team challenges is the food. And if you're you're out of plates, the arrow makes it an amazing plate. You can put a lot of food on it. That it was a bend. question. And you just like that was a question we had water. last week. What have you used your disc golf equipment for non-disc golf related? So there you go. Um, and for those who are listening, <laughs> yes. you mentioned describing lid of bucket and all that. Like, look it up if you have it. Just punch it. We have people commenting right now saying how bad that disc is. So he loves it. I've seen other guys who have used it. You know what, Matt? It's only because they don't know how to wrangle <laughs> that it. That could be it. They don't yeah, know how to throw it. We're going with that one. And they're like, oh, I can't throw, I can't throw this. This yeah. disc sucks. No, you just don't know yeah, how exactly. to throw it. All right? I can, I can make some amazing so, throws with this disc. You just got to gotta speak yeah. to it quietly. You got to be nice to it. You got to say, all right, baby, you this is, go you got to, you know, you got to around this one. Find you know, those chains. Yeah. yeah. So when we host, when we host this big, <laughs> you know, kind of introducing everyone to disc golf, this big camp that we're going to do eventually, Mike is going to teach us how to throw the arrow. Can I just say to, I will, I will totally take the arrow. <laughs> that would be very right, cool. Absolutely. The disc Marking golf camp, by the way, right before we move into judge that disc golfer, <laughs> the disc golf camp, I've done that. And what it is, is going to am worlds because you get a week long disc golf competition now whether competition excites you or not you're playing with two or three hundred other people just like you and every day you're playing disc golf even after your competitive round you go find another course and you play and you camp yep. and it's wonderful if you ever have a chance to go to am worlds you definitely should <laughs> so well that, yeah see that's we need an experience like that if you want to grow the sport organically and truly turn people onto it that's exactly what we need yeah. more of that Absolutely. All right. I think so there could definitely be some really cool ideas without just having kind of this, you know, three or four day thing Thursday through Sunday. You just, you know, hey, Thursday, everyone's going to play Newton Hill. Friday, everyone's going to play the shorts at Buff. And then you kind of end the weekend at, say, Pyramids and Maple Hill. I don't All know. All right, there, Nick, set it yeah, up. There could be a ton of cool things with it. All right. Um, what we're going to do at this point, do you have anything you would like to say before we move into the game? Like just about generally your disc golf experience? Is there anything else you want to say? I just love playing, and if you see me out there, and uh, you know you want to play, you want to join in, I'm I'm all for it. You know, it's it's a it's a great sport. I've met a lot of awesome people through it, and um, you know, like I said, if you got a friend who's uh, who's asking about it, definitely help them out, loan them some of your discs, take them out with you, and and show them the ropes, and and uh, it's a great time, and I'm glad I can share that sure. with everybody. Thank Absolutely. you so much for being yeah. on the show. We're going to jump into Judge That Disc Golfer. This is one of our live audience, and I think even those who listen later, they enjoy this tremendously. It's okay for us to pick on the disc golfer a little bit, but they are our friends, so we want to be a little gentle, but we can judge that disc golfer, so here we go. Uh, let's get right into it. Judge That Disc Golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All right. Hey, man. My name is Matt. Thanks for coming on the show. What's your name? Yeah, no problem. I'm Brent. 
All right, Brent, let's get to know you a little bit. How long have you been playing disc golf? For about three years now, yeah. Okay, three years. In those three years, have you ever played a tournament? No. Any competition at all, leagues or anything? Uh, no, just with my friends. Okay, yeah. just with your friends for about three years. Lucky to have Maple Hill. Is this your local course? Yeah, we're, we just moved out of Worcester, so I've been playing in the Worcester area for about three years. Okay, at Maple Hill, what's your favorite layout, would you say? Uh, the whites. You know, it's a little challenging, but also you got the easy holes. <laughs> Perfect. So, you said you haven't competed, so I'm guessing you don't have a PDGA membership. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, so no rating there. How about the pro scene? Do you follow that at all? Uh, do you, no, know, do you have any favorite we, pros? Yeah, we got Simon. What's his last name? Simon. Does anybody know a guy named Simon? The, the fans me. right now and the followers are screaming at they you. Must, yeah. Lizot. All right, there Simon. He was actually on our show a few weeks ago, so nice. uh, I'm sure he'll be glad to hear he's got another fan here. So let's get to it. How far can you throw a disc? Ooh, they're right there, so they're about to judge me. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's pretty funny. He points to his friends and says they're about to judge me, but what he doesn't realize is we are. <laughs> so we asked him, how far can you throw a disc? We're going to put Nick up first. Nick, how far is he going to answer? I'm going to go 275. Okay, 275 feet. Mike, what do you think he's going to answer with? Wow, this is like the yeah, price you is right. Play it this is awesome. Sure. Uh, I mean, he's he's going to say 350. Okay. So what did you say again, Nick? 275. 275. Mike says 350. Let's see what he answers, and then we'll continue into question two. Say only like 450, you know. Well, okay, 450 oh, feet. Can I just ask as a follow-up, how do you measure that? Uh, just by the hole, length of the hole, and then distance side still left to the basket. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. So let's ask this question. If I was to give you a stack of 10 putters and stick you at about what we call circle's edge, which is about 10 meters, so maybe about the edge of the island green there, Yeah. how many would go in the basket? Uh... <laughs> so, first of all... Is this kid just like casually filthy good? Just doesn't play tournaments? To be clear, he said yeah. 450 feet. So the point goes to Mike. Okay, he was only 100 yeah. off, but man, he awesome. played the cards right. Okay, <laughs> so like... First of all, Mike, do you think he really throws 450 feet? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Absolutely not. No, but he's confident. I like that. He, he comes confident, and that's what you need. You need the confident. But what's interesting, but definitely we not. asked him, how do you determine your distance? And he said he measures the whole length, like how long the hole says, and then how minus how much yeah. he's done. So, like, either he's way off on his calculations or he actually yeah. throws that distance. So, it's nothing but birdies yeah. for that guy, that's, right? If he, if, dude, if he's throwing 450 feet, gold should be his favorite layout there. Like, he'd be murdering it. Okay, so if he's in the live audience or watching later, feel free to comment and tell us we're wrong or tell us we're right. That is okay. We, send, us, send us a video of it sometime. To be fair, when we're laughing about this, we actually appreciate you yeah. playing the sport. Okay, so um, he said 450. That's a point for Mike Shue. Yep. He, we then asked him how many putters would he hit from Circle's Edge if we gave him 10. Uh, Mike, you're up with this one. Well, if he thinks he can throw 450 feet, I'm saying he's going to say he hits 9 out of 10. Okay. 9 out of 10 from the Circle's Edge. He's, he's going to be a power thrower, but an awful putter. 6 out of 10. Okay, so let's see who gets it here. We go with his answers. 7. Whoa, 7. 7 out of 10. <laughs> 
you're, dude, you'd be in make two. <laughs> His buddies off screen are razzing him. Okay. If you were to get a disc golf tattoo, what would it be? Would it be a putter hitting the front rim? Tasmanian devil throwing a 360 long distance drive? A single basket? Or a favorite disc golf phrase you might have, for instance, like grip it and rip it or death putt. <laughs> so let's get the point set up. The last one, yeah. Nick got I guess that. I, technically, I got that. Yeah. It was close. Yeah. But you did get it. He said seven. So, and to be, that's incredible. That's pretty good, too. I mean, seven out of 10 circles, that's just pretty good. This guy is, is really good. He's never competed. I'm bringing yeah. him to the newcomer's ball. <laughs> I'll bring Zach. <laughs> Um, how many tournaments have you played, uh, Mike? Okay, not a lot. Um, probably a dozen, okay. maybe okay. over the years. You do the yeah. winter team challenge that we have here in New okay. England. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, I've done yeah. a couple. Of That's years. awesome yeah. too. I'd love to do another topic on that. Let's get back to this. We asked him about disc golf tattoos. We said a, a disc hitting the front basket. We said Tasmanian Devil doing a three sixty. Okay, we said a individual single just basket like tattooed or would it be a disc golf phrase? And we gave him a for instance, whether it was grip it and rip it or death putt. Um, this is Nick's to guess. What is his answer going to be, Nick? I'm going to go with C, just the single disc golf basket. Single basket. We're judging him as a single basket guy. All right, Mike, what do you mm. think for his disc golf tattoo? So since... Nick took that. You I can't can. say you single can. basket. You also. could technically say it, and then you guys would be tied again okay. going into the final question. Yeah. If 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 he if he was correct, uh, if he was correct, if he's incorrect, and you're both incorrect, you'd still be tied as well. Um, you know what? I'm going to go D. He's going to get a big 450 uh, on his neck. <laughs> I throw 450. Yeah. Or oh, I was thinking 420, but no, that's a different thing. Okay. So no, throws 450. Right. Man, come on. Okay. Let's see what his answer is. <laughs> And then we'll move right into the final question. It would be huck and pray. Okay, so it would be a favorite disc golf phrase. <laughs> okay, to be fair, yeah. no, he he said Mike the got the point. Yeah. It was a disc golf phrase. It was yep. huck, oh, huck oh, and nice. pray. So that oh, does awesome. go to you, Mike. That is a disc golf phrase that he chose. So let's continue on and see what we get here for question four. Phrase huck and pray. <laughs> That's excellent. All right, and then finally, if you were to play your first competitive round, but it was with un favorable weather conditions yeah are you going to choose to have it be really windy 20 miles an hour plus the whole round moderately raining so consistent rain the whole round or snowing picture like a blizzard <laughs> okay so we asked him what would his preference preference for weather be during a competitive round so now let's be clear mike is up two to one yeah. nick is losing that is very normal mike it's beyond, um, it's beyond normal. Okay. I don't even know if I've won yet at this point. <laughs> no, I think I've, you've I've won lost, once. I've, I've lost track whether I've won or not. It's insane. Okay. So what is his weather preference of choice? Nick, you are up. Uh, We're going to go with wind. He is a windy kind of guy. He's a windy kind of guy. All right, Mike, what's your guess? I'm going to say rain. I'm going to go for rain. He seems like a guy who would love to take his shirt off and just huck and pray in the rain. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what is it. And this will be for the win um, for Mike if he's correct and a tie for Nick if he is correct. I've played in the snow and I hate it. I hate it. So I wouldn't do that. I'll probably go for the wind, you know. Ooh. 
it would be it would be all <laughs> over the go. place, but that's my game right now. So <laughs> wouldn't awesome. change too much. <laughs> awesome. Any shout outs you want to give to anybody? Uh thanks, Ed. And uh wait, Big Dave. You'll know <laughs> Big who I Dave. Am. <laughs> all right, awesome. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Do we know who Big Dave is? <laughs> we don't know who Big Dave is, but shout out shout to him. Shout out Big Dave. So here is how the tiebreaker happens. We go back to question one, and it was who was closest. I think we should just one-on-one around a disc golf, Mike. Me against you, $100, and bragging rights on the line. That's We're not going. fair. I'm terrible. That's not fair at all. No, if we do it according to the rules that we decided before the show, technically, Mike is closest. So, Mike, you are our, like, 11th or 12th winner. We've done 12 I think, episodes. I, I, I think 11. I maybe I'd be Hunter. I think I might be in Hunter. Hunter Tom. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so congratulations, Mike. We hope you enjoyed that. Um, Wait, 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 wait. Uh, what do I so, guess? I was hoping, oh, yeah, I was, I was hoping you wouldn't ask yes, because I'm about to go broke. But for all the winners <laughs> that we've had on the show, eventually when I see them in person and we get like time to hang out, I've always offered to buy them lunch. So I owe 11 <laughs> lunches right now. So when you and I finally meet in person, we get out for a round. We talk about, you know, people we know. We'll have we'll have it over lunch and a craft beer. <laughs> okay that's that's enough you're not gonna give me like a brand new arrow <laughs> oh, i'd love if, a brand new arrow if i can somehow find an arrow <laughs> i will get it for you <laughs> that is so good but we are so so happy to have had yeah. you on the show um it might not bring in the, the listeners and the viewers quite like simon does but we are not caring about that we thought this would be a great interview <laughs> and it was it really was and we're and we're glad to have you on well thanks for having me yeah. It was fun. Thank you very totally much for awesome. having awesome. And hopefully... It, this is the thing, though, is that <laughs> Mike's voice, everyone's going to be sad next week yeah. when they don't hear such a great radio podcast voice. And that's like, they got to listen to you and I now. It's going to be like, yep, yeah, yep, 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 Yeah, okay, we're going to have like, we Simon on again. We're going to have all these people and, you know... The, just keep, just keep telling them I throw an arrow. <laughs> and they'll be he like, throws you know, an arrow. Screw that. I always do this for our guests, yeah. but we want to give you kind of like 30 seconds to throw in all your social medias. You have your own podcast. Where can the where can our listeners find you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Mike Shoe AAF. Uh, on um, Instagram, uh, at Mike Shoe Rock, and I'm also on the Breaking the Ice podcast with Josh Dolan, who I did Afternoon Drive with at WAF, and Isaiah, who was also on air at AAF. And then I also do a Neil Young specific uh, podcast. If you're a Neil Young fan, it's called Long May You Young. And I do it with Luke and Russ Condon, who are in the band Town Meeting, and we have a great time doing that. Our recent episode, we interviewed Nils Lofgren, uh, who worked extensively with Neil Young and had a great conversation with him. So if you can check out those podcasts, that'd be great. And again, guys, thank you very much yeah, for having me on. I, I got one last thing. <laughs> one of our buddy, one of our buddies, uh, Sully, commented, and so you know, this would be this would be kind of cool, actually. But he said, ask him to say, welcome to the Nick and Matt show real sexy like like give us give us that radio welcome to the nick and nat macho all right good evening ladies welcome to the nick and matt show <laughs> some asmr going you, on right now you, you, you got us like giggling in the background <laughs> this is perfect mike very very fun to have you on the show tonight it's fun to finally meet you and you know because i've heard about you i know matt knows you Hopefully we'll get out for a round sometime at Newton Hill. We'll play the new Reds layout. And uh, again, we really appreciate you coming on. Yes.
All right. Well, thanks All right, a lot, man. guys. Have a good evening. Take it easy, Mike. All right. Bye. <clears throat> okay, so that was Mike Shue, formerly of WAF, a very popular radio station here in the Massachusetts area. We hope that that gave you some insight into just what we would call the everyday disc golfers experience, but he also has some, you know, influence, if you will, um, in the community as well. Of yeah, definitely. Just who he is. Definitely for the Massachusetts disc golf area. I mean, a lot of people around here that I've talked to know who Mike Shue is, whether they've played around with him or they listen to WAF back when he was a host on there. People know who he is. So it's cool to kind of have one of our, like you said, local celebrities come on the show. And a lot, I mean, most of our interaction tonight on our live comments were Massachusetts people just wanting to ask him questions. I, I think that's awesome. True. So, and he gave us a new welcome to the Nick and Matt show. Intro, if we can so use we it, can, because I was we're, giggling. We're gonna use that. We were both snickering. Yeah. He, he, he in the background. So awesome. Totally cool. We're going to move on to one of our new segments from last week called Internaut. 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 <laughs> we need Mike back to give us a segment yeah. intro for this. Internet disc golf questions that we have snatched off the internet. We have anonymized the questioner, if you will. And we are going to ask some questions here. I believe we got five questions that we found on the internet. So let's go ahead with question number one. Here we go. Does anyone? <laughs> okay, hold on. This is literally in a disc golf forum. Let me try again. <clears throat> I got to compose myself. Okay. Does anyone have Billiard's contact info? Please, please message me if you do. Thank you. So this... I've, got, I've got an answer for anonymous Joe. Okay. I don't have Billiard's contact info. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I wonder, is it just a literal shot in the dark in these forums? Like, yeah, it's got to be. Like they found a disc or something and they're just like, yeah. hey, is B Billiard on this At forum? least hopefully he's trying to get that disc back. <laughs> All right, Nick. Oh, God. You're up. Come on, give us your this best is not, I, I could totally voice. picture Simon being in this, but. Okay, here you go. I have created a new group called Disc Golf Pets. <laughs> Feel free to join and invite your friends. Disc Golf Pet group is this for people it's got three members by the end of this week by the end of our show it might have more members than we have on our page wait a second is this for pets who like enjoy disc golf or is this for yeah. the disc golfer who has a pet could go either way okay it's probably both <clears throat> how you many know, people I, I have pets and you know how I many might, people I might join the group how many <laughs> i gotta you gotta have to tell me about it um do you have disc golf pets. If you are listeners of ours, do you bring them with you? I mean, do you have like iguanas? Do you have um, cats, dogs, dogs, rats? Rats. My, we had a rat growing up named Penelope. <clears throat> um, really? Yeah. It was, it was actually cool. Ferrets. I mean, we've had lots yeah. of pets in my family. Dog. So people bring dogs. What's the craziest pet you've ever brought out to the disc golf course? Let's go on to, I guess it's my question. Question number three. Here we go. So strange topic. But what does everyone think of driving putters? And post your favorite. I've recently taken to the ohm and neutron plastic. Baby glides for days with predictable soft turn. Oh, so nice. So this, driving putters. Yeah, this is where Mike needed to be on because he said when he throws his arrow, he softly talks to it, you know, says, you know, gives it kind of like a little giddy up. This would have been perfect for him. But dude, 58 comments on that question. Pretty insane. It is. So wait, disc golf driver putters, though. Just talk for a minute. Do you have a driving putter? And what is that? Uh, I throw the, let's see, I have a Tour Series Luna. I have a Big Z Roach. And yeah. What's the difference, though, between a putting putter and a driving putter to you? Usually the plastic. 
Okay. Like for me, the Big Z Roach is in the Big Z plastic, which is more durable than my regular Lunas. And same thing with the Tour Series Luna, the uh, 2021. It's uh, more durable, also more stable than my Proto Lunas that I putt with. So I think the only that... time I rarely ever throw my putting putters, but if I need something actually like pretty understable or I need kind of a soft landing, I'll throw one of my putting putters, usually my jump putting one. Yeah, I'm thinking about because I do too. Like I throw the AVR three as my throwing putter, mm -hmm. and I guess I would never think of like putting with it. I guess I could, but it's all about for me feeling the hand, and yeah. I guess sometimes yeah. durability. It's usually durability for the most part when it comes to your driving putters because, I mean, if you're throwing D plastic or DX plastic, like DX AVRs or whatever, or D roaches, it's not going to last long, or it's going to get pretty flippy pretty quick, but. Obviously, if it's a more stable putter, I get that. But for the <laughs> most part, usually it's durability and uh, usually more glidey, like that better plastic. But Cool. So that was a good question. Nick, this is your question. What's it worth, realistically? It's an unthrown Star AVR3 from a doubles event. Okay, and there's a picture of a green USDGC stamped 2019 AVR3, Star AVR3, and he wants to know. Anyone listening, what's it worth? <laughs> what's it worth realistically? Yeah. So, Nick, what do you think? What What is that Star AVR3 worth realistically? $16. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's the color green, which I don't care for at all, so I wouldn't spend any money on it. My guess is Plus, literally I play for Discraft. So. Yeah, the same thing. Retail, <laughs> probably. It has one comment. Yeah. I don't know what that comment is. Um, but probably to $15. <laughs> um, so there is a collector's market Kinda, for disc though. I will say cool stamp on it though. Yeah. Um, there is a collector's market for this. And actually one of our topics in just a minute is going to be the disc golf collector market. What is that? And we're going to talk about that. I think we have, I've kind of missed it here. I think we have one more uh, question coming up. Okay. Yes, we do. So let me read that out for you. If I average just above even par what division should i be signing up for okay this one i guess i can kind of try to take it here and then get your insight nick there are 50 comments on this if i average just above even par what division well what layout are we talking about are we playing That's, maple red that, i i swear <clears throat> to god you pink? took the words right out of my mouth because 50 of those comments i bet you 48 of them are <laughs> it depends on what course like if you're going to go play maple golds and you're shooting even par every single round you should be playing in the pro division if you're going to <laughs> i don't want to be rude but let's say well it's anonymous here they yeah. probably don't even know let's say maple show. reds and you're shooting even par every single every single round i would say am2 am1 i mean pros we obviously <laughs> want to shoot a lot under par at that course so i i would say am2 at like maple reds or something but if you're playing par on Maple Golds, you should be playing pro because I yeah. bet you you're murdering it at almost every other course out there. And this goes back to our discussion a long time ago about par. Like, who is it built for? Because the reality is anybody can play par. It depends on the par person. is irrelevant. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that was the final question of our segment, Internet Disc Golf Questions. And we'll have to make an intro for that to make this a little yeah, more Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it a little bit more <laughs> legit. Maybe week 13 or 14. Now, Matt's traveling this week. We're going to kind of give him a break and let him relax yeah, when he gets we'll back. But I might have prepared some things. Before we get into the collector's aspect of it, I do have a question for the live audience. We're going to kind of talk about discs now. And one of the things that Infinite just came out with today on Twitter was the top 50 discs of the 2020 season so far. So 
I kind of want to see everyone's idea. What do you think the number one, two, and three discs are? Yeah, and it's going to take a little just, bit for them to take a guess yeah, here. No, no, I'm just curious. I want to. I kind of want to see. Okay, so I'm not looking, and I haven't looked at. I think you sent it to me, but I didn't see it. Um, so what the number one, two, three discs are sold through Infinite is what you're saying? Yeah. In in this month or quarter, what was it? So so far through 2020. So okay, so about yeah. almost. I think half that's what year, it was, right? January, February, March, yeah. April, May, June, July. Okay, actually, pretty more much. Than that. We're almost in the third quarter. Oh, here uh, from no, 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 January 1st to June 30th. Okay. Okay, so yeah. So, seven months. Okay. Um, it used to be the Destroyer. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that... Actually, I don't know. I don't know if it's up there. I'm going to go with the Paul Macbeth disc, and I'm going to say... Uh, Hades. I don't know. Or is it... Is it? So, Hades is the newest Malta? one, so I'm going to give you a break and don't say that one, because <laughs> that's the newest one. So, if they sold... Oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't, that's, I don't, that's the newest one. Can you tell I don't follow that market as closely? Yeah. Um, Malta or Luna. I'm just going to say one of the Paul Macbeth discs, unless it's all top three, but that's my guess. Pretty close. Okay. So actually a bunch of our comments, like Ryan Sully, Discraft, 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 you got two out of three, right? Doc Zen, you got two out of three, right? But the number one disc. Is the Destroyer up there still? Yeah. Or, oh, it yeah. is. So, okay, so, so, give, okay. me, give me 30 right. seconds. Here I got you. So the number one disc right now is the ESP Buzz. The Paul Macbeth stamped ESP Buzzes now. I, I would assume actually, it just says Buzz. So that could be Tor Series Buzz, Z Buzz. I don't know. But anyways, Buzz is the number one. Destroyer being number two. And the Paul Macbeth Luna being number three. With the zone being very close, pretty much right behind it. Um, and then rounding out the top five is the P2. So I think pretty Any much... surprises there for you? Yeah, I was going to say... Honestly, no. I mean, the buzz has always been, it, you either throw buzzes or you throw rocks, you know, before all the other companies came out. But for the most part, at least when I started playing, most people either threw a rock or a buzz. And in New England, I have a lot more rock thrower friends than there are buzz throwers. But I've thrown buzzes since I started playing. That's It's been a staple in my bag. Interesting. But, so um, we're going to go right into this topic then related to discs. Doc, the judge is number nine. Okay. So, yeah. So, there's a lot of popular discs out there. Now, when we talk popularity of disc sales compared to popularity in the disc golf collecting market, let's just preface this whole conversation by saying disc golf collector market is probably a little different to each person, like what that means to them. But let's just kind of put out there the crazy things that we've seen, such as go search eBay right now for like collectible disc golf disc. Like just punch that in eBay um, and look at the price, the going price, the buy it now price for these discs. And I think you'll be surprised. I'm talking at least hundreds of dollars, if not more. Nick, let's just, and, and there's, there's so many collector um, auction um, raffle pages on Facebook, mm -hmm. like for discs yeah, that people are not going to ever throw. This is the collector market we're talking about. So let me ask you this question, Nick. What is probably the most expensive disc that has sold that you are aware of? There was a Proto M4 back when Prodigy first came out. It was this yellow one, I think. And I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, people, but I'm pretty sure it sold for like over two or three grand. It was insane. Like someone bought a Proto M4 for thousands of dollars and then... Um, Paul's old McPro ABR stamp destroyers are probably one of the most sought after discs that are not released to the public. Like you kind of say that again. What was the stamp? 
The McPro AVR. McPro AVR. Stamp destroyers. So Stamp those really destroyer. swirly ones that he threw when he was with Innova, those are probably one of the most sought after discs. And then obviously, and I can, wrote, yeah, go this, for it. The, the disc cost that I've seen. Now, granted, this was Hannah McBeth posting it up. Yeah. Um, her mom was having health situation mm -hmm. and they wanted to raise money in that way. And they put up a. Uh, one of the big pro ADRs, yeah. they have destroyers. Do you remember what it went for? It was like, I think over 2400 bucks. Oh, but I'm, I think it was, more I, it than could have been way more than that. I'll and actually, Gomez, I'll, I'll shoot Jonathan Gomez was bidding on it and a lot of other quote unquote higher rollers. I remember being like, This is incredible for a piece of plastic. Yes, yeah. Vibram people are mentioning is, is collectible because they do not make that anymore. In fact, one point, Nick, I sold a stack of vibram discs because i used to be a vibram tester as in like uh you could call it a sponsorship uh that i won yes i won one pro open event and it was a vibram birdie bash really? yeah and there were oh pro i remember that Alan peterson i couldn't believe i won yeah. it and the prize was to be a vibram tester and so i started receiving all the prototypes and then one point i had a stack and I, after i had done the reviews and thrown them and all that um I sold them. And I remember selling a stack of them for like 200 bucks, like four discs or 200 bucks. The point is, okay, someone said they've been offered $600 for their Vibram Christmas Ridge. That's Andrew Streeter. Oh, I'm curious what that looks like. Um, someone's mentioning right now the Get Freaky discs. That's the I, I was going to bring disc. that up as the latest disc that is probably the most sought after are the Get Freaky zones. But why? And, and this is the collector conversation. I understand because yeah. I'm a collector. Like, I love collecting things. Do we have other collectors uh, that love collecting things? Uh, maybe just share some of what your collections are. Um, but specifically, this. The exact opposite. But, but yeah. Okay. So you're the exact. So you yeah. don't like collecting things? I, 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 Anything. I, I don't get a. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I collect discs to throw. I don't collect. <laughs> so you, yeah. But so you're collecting them as a stack to backups. There's a difference. Yeah, pretty much. I mean,. I don't know. I have I have a get freaky pink zone that I got when I was in Michigan. And the cool thing about it is there's the main, you know, black stamp dark horse on it that they all have at the bottom. And then around the whole zone, there's five more ghost dark horses. So it's like a six time get freaky zone <laughs> with just a regular get freaky stamp on it. It's pretty sick, but so I would never put that up on an auction site. Like honestly, if I lose the other get freaky that I have, I'm probably just gonna put that one in the bag. So Someone just brought up like the pie plate frisbee, like frisbee, the original frisbee pie plates or pie dishes or whatever you want to call them. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. those are collectible and those are going for a lot. The original beveled disc by Innova, those are going for thousands of dollars yeah. as well. You remember the Vibram 420s that we got back at Amside years back? <laughs> so there's so yeah. many, there's so many collectible discs out there. So would if you're live right now, comment either your most valuable or the most valuable you've ever heard. Um, for me, I think for me, it was the, um, maybe the 10 year buzz. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've got two, the 10 year buzz, a Where red 10 year buzz. Those? No, I sold them oh. uh, because I realized what they would go for at one yeah, point. Some, to me, it, yeah, to me, it was Billy worth more like, and how do you know when to grab them? Because they just come up and do you know if it's going to be collectible? And this is a whole nother conversation is like what the collectible market does like to the sport of disc golf. But we're going to talk about that. Um, so for me, I think I sold like a red, uh, 10 year buzz. I don't know if it was in its prime or not, but I sold it for a hundred bucks. Um, I was happy with that. Mm -hmm. As of late, has anybody seen, or there's a whole Nate Sexton disc golf collector page. Okay. Specifically. For his on firebirds. Facebook. Yes. Yeah. Out at Las Vegas challenge. I was able to procure oh. two yeah. LVC, uh, Sexton firebirds. 
Now I forget the quantity on those, but I think the number was like 200. Like that was it. I might, I can't remember. Someone's gonna have to correct me yeah. if you're really into this. That was back for what, 20? That was this year. 18? Was it this year? That was literally oh, yeah, this year. Oh yeah, it, it was this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got two of them and I spent $20 on each. And I said, oh, these are really cool discs. Thanks for the opportunity. I get back to the room to start editing with Terry and I'm looking on the pages and they're already getting posted immediately for like other people that procured them. And I'm seeing the price go from like the 20 to $40 I spent all the way up to, uh, I'm seeing like 320, $350. And I'm like, this is incredible. So day one, I literally think I need to catch the wave right now. So I take those discs, take pictures of them in good lighting. I post them on the auction page and immediately I get a $375 bid. Jeez. And I'm like, okay. So like by the end of the day or the next day, I sell two discs for $375 that I spent $40 on. That was the next day. That was a flip. Pretty good profit margin. <laughs> I was like, honey, I came out to this, Las Vegas yeah. and I didn't play the slot machines. I played the disc yeah. selling machine. And that happened. But guess what? Where we are now, you guys ready for this? A single LVC Firebird is going, and now it depends on stamps and everything else. Yeah. But they're going for anywhere from like 700 to like a thousand or eleven hundred dollars one disc that's insane and that's in this year that's not even six months later yeah so you you said you don't collect this people are commenting about discs that they have someone said an innova 2008 usdg champion rancho rock 550 dollars uh, 2016 Sexton Firebird going for $600. Mm -hmm. Someone says they have $100 Pures. No, 100 plus Pures. <laughs> oh, 100. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, maybe he's collecting, maybe collecting all those. Them. Yeah. So. He puts with them, so. What is, again, and this is just to those listening later, this, those on right now, what is the disc that you have or that you know about? This would be great to get our good buddy Greg O'Coin on right now because mm. I've never seen someone have so many of like some of the most collectible discs that are out there. Pro to Destroyers, just like everything and anything. I've been to his house before. It's insane. How do but, you, so how do these people who collect discs, literally, how do they fund that? And I'm not asking you to speculate on like Greg O'Coin, but like other people. So, and I... I'm going to throw it out there to my buddy, Terry Miller, who I'm actually going to catch up with tomorrow night. I'll have to ask him in person, but I do know, I, I don't know if he would care because he's actually shown, um, he's shown video clips and live shots of his actual storage container, full storage container. And I'm not talking like a little closet size, like lift the front door, like drive in container full of disc. That's why he has a storage container. And I did like calculations in my head. He literally has probably every single collectible disc and more that you would ever want. And I yeah. think I valued it somewhere around $250,000 in my, at least in my head. That's what I came up with. Do you know of somebody who has a more valuable, I've seen some pictures. I'm in the wrong industry. <laughs> but this is, okay, so this, let's turn the conversation here. What does collecting discs do, if anything, for the disc golf industry? What are the positives? What are the negatives? What are these manufacturers doing to help drive that or to help stop that? I don't think right now they're really doing anything to stop it. Well, okay, so get freaky. Um, get Foundation freaky. So, Disc Golf. They they'll post stuff up. Well, so um, we'll start one of the other. Discraft is the one who makes the Get Freakies. Okay. They have that relationship with Brody, and they do that, and they make X amount of Get Freakies per color that came out. Not, I'm not 100% sure how many came for the blacks or how many came for the pinks or the blues. I don't know those exact numbers, 
But I do know in the latest run of the Glow Get Freakies, they sold out in like 30 seconds. There was a limit, two per person. So that potentially more people could get them. Because, dude, there were people who were like using bots to buy 15 or 20 of the pink ones. They'd have it listed on eBay before they even knew if they bought the Get Freakies. Like, I don't even know how all that crap works, (laughs) but it's insane. Like, people people were just, and some people would do, they would buy five pink Get Freakies. They would keep two of them as their own, maybe give one to a friend, but then they would sell two of them and make their money back and make some profit. You know, say they sold them for a hundred bucks a piece, they made a hundred dollars profit. Their buddy has one, they have two for throwing. I don't know. It's, it's so should it's should there crazy. be limits on this? Because what does a if you want to keep market? everything if you want to keep everything collectors, then yeah, there should be a limit on it. I don't mean the limit on the quantity they make mm-hmm. as much as if they're limiting people from buying certain amounts. So like, um, uh, so I, I think I if, saw foundation post this, like they, people are creating bots even to yeah. buy them all at one time. So they, yep. cause they know I buy that for $20. I sell it for mm-hmm. 200. That's amazing. So they yeah. buy 200 of them. Do the math. <laughs> oh I'm yeah. Not... <laughs> exactly. It's uh, yeah, no, it's insane. But I think if you want to have a collector's market to where things potentially are collectible you don't limit how many people can get because the more people that have them the kind of less collectible it becomes right i mean Mm -hmm. obviously if you only make two thousand of them there's obviously thousands and thousands of disc golfers who did not get them but if you don't put a limit on how many that people can buy now let's say that two thousand of them a thousand people are the only ones who got it every you know one thousand people got two apiece now for the other 10,000 people that want them, there's a huge market because only an X amount have them. I, I don't know. It's it's weird because I, I never thought about the disc collecting aspect of disc golf because it, it just never appealed to me. Like, I have some pretty sweet discs. I have a, you know, Paul gave me this years ago as a team in of a stamped. Um, it's the same run as the McPro Star Destroyers, but it's not the McPro ABR stamp on it. It just says team in of a that I'm sure could probably get a hefty amount for it and i don't play for i play for discraft i'm never obviously gonna throw that disc but it was a gift from him it's got sentimental value to it it's like i have his putter that he played 2015 um mvp open or back then vibram open it's just so i think we all have some sort of discs that are collectible it's just what you do with them at that point i i never looked at the flipping aspect of it or the collecting I usually give away the discs that I don't like. So whether you like to throw them, I've seen yeah, you like I, crystal Z Luna or like you. you oh yeah, dude. I, I had the disc stamp, uh, crystal Raptor that there's probably maybe 10 people have. <laughs> you just throw dude, it. Dude, It's a sick thrower. Yeah. I lost one of my favorite Raptors. It was my blue McBee stamped foundation. That was kind of a bummer. Okay. So here's but, where, yeah. here's where the question was. And about should they limit, should manufacturers limit the idea of like how many people can buy at a time so they just can't flip them? My answer is no. I think there are plenty of discs out in this world that anybody that wants to take the time to buy them all up, or not the time, is quickest to do it, then they win the prize. Um, I think I'm not against someone like Foundation being like we're limiting it to two or Brody. Like mm-hmm. that's their choice. That I, my I guess my point is it's and it, it's anybody's choice who wants to do that. But I don't yeah. think it's hurting the disc golf industry or world or community. It, I don't I don't think it hurts all. the industry, but it potentially can hurt that company. If you don't put a limit on it, and some guy gets fifty of a disc that only came out oh 
You know what I mean? Then you have then 49 other pissed off customers now because they didn't have a chance to buy that. Okay. So, so as their customers. Is yeah. It- as, as a small retailer, I think what Foundation does with their exclusive stamps, and I'm obviously going to say everything great about Foundation because they're my boys. And Discraft. Sp- we know. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, when they came out with the Dark Claw, uh, Jawbreaker Wasps, I think there was 21 or 2,200 of them. And there was a limit how many people could buy. And that's so more people get to enjoy this freaking badass disc that came out. Like, So I actually see your perspective there. And I don't know if I was on that side of it yeah. earlier. Like, So we want to make the customers happy. But that being said, I mean, sure. Okay. So it's still a collectible. Yeah, for, though. If they limit for the a, quantity. For a retailer, you got to make the customer happy. <laughs> yes. But they have so many disc selections out there. So maybe... But only Other... Foundation is coming out with Drawbreaker Wasps with a uh, Dark Claw stamp on it. Okay. So, the so collect- that's, that's, mar- a, that's a one-of-one stamp. The collector market, okay, they should limit. They should limit. I think if they want to make a collector, the manufacturer, I, when I say limit, what I mean is they, they only make a certain quantity. Yeah. Let's say 50. Obviously, that will be very collectible. Then they can limit amount per person. Okay. I, I, I get it. I think, but here's the point the collector market doesn't actually hurt the industry of disc golf. But what is interesting is when a disc like the LVC Firebird or any of these others that come out immediately, literally stock fresh, and now they're going for $800. Someone made a great point. How many people are placing at an event and making $800? Yeah, like, no kidding. Maybe we should just, you know, yeah. turn to disc just golf flipping. fly out to Vegas every year, get one of those sick Firebirds, and then sell two of them. Hopefully you get some more from some buddies. <laughs> to be clear, know, they did limit it to two yeah. per person. Yeah, it was okay. two per person there. And there was um, um when I was just up in Michigan, they found a box of the player of the year Lunas, the Crystal Lunas with the player of the year stamp for Paul. And uh same thing, it was limited two per person. No one and I think the same thing, they had a bunch of X out get freakies. Same thing, two per person. Like so for the hundred people that were in line, that one person that got to the front of the line because he showed up four hours prior didn't spend two thousand dollars on a hundred get freakies. You know, and I thought that was perfect. So now you have that many more happy people. Some people are going to throw them. Some people are obviously going to flip them. But okay, it's weird. So it's a weird market. Yeah, and I just want to bring up one more thought here. So like the Nate Sexton Glow Firebirds, we should have Nate on to talk about this. How this has helped him in his career because um, every time one sells, I'm sure he gets a, a some type of cut on that. Mm-hmm. So. Do the disc golf manufacturers benefit from the collectability of these discs? Do they benefit? And I think probably because... Yeah, I'd have to say so. But they have to time it right because, for instance, the Glow Firebirds, they know that they're they're hot commodities. So every time they want to boost in their revenue, let's sell 500 Firebirds. And then one day or one 20 minutes, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the release, they're gone quicker than that. So to them, it's just easy. Let's just make some more Firebirds and we'll sell them. But if they flood the market, then they won't be as collectible. Yeah. So they're playing a game too, I'm sure. Like, how do we keep these collectible so we can sell quickly and they don't care too much about the collector's market, what happens afterwards, because they've already made their money. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like with the Get Freakies. You know, Brody started coming out with them towards the beginning of the year when he signed with Discraft. And originally, I think the first color was black. And then they went to green. Maybe I could be totally wrong about that. But every few months, they just switch the color. It's the same, you know, same plastic, same stamp. 
you know, some of them are obviously the Wonder Bread stamps, which go for the most, or like the money stamp. The See, you know a little foil. bit about the collector's market. I know a little bit because everyone, <laughs> and I honestly think it's an awful stamp, but everyone is obsessed with the Wonder Bread stamp from Discraft, and I don't know. It's just, it's not appealing to me. I'm, I'm pretty basic when it comes to stamps. I like what I like. Wonder Bread's not in that category. But yeah, every so often they would just come out with a different color to it. You know, it was the same disc, same plastic, but... Just coming out with a new color, Discraft and Brody will be able to come out with this awesome thing every few months. So we'll kind of wrap this up. But like when it comes to disc collecting, because we didn't really talk about this aspect of it. When it comes to disc collecting, people are looking at the stamps. They're looking at the color of the disc. They're looking for swirly, unique patterns inside of their discs, plastic, how many were made of each type. Um, they try to find out this information. People will literally write the manufacturers and be like, you know, this is, seems like it's a new stamp. It has a different rainbow pattern than the previous one. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is getting that detailed. Is there what they call like blowout? Is the is the disc stamp perfect or is a little portion, you know, scraped off or didn't stick to the plastic? I mean, detailed. People are like rating these. There was a, even a rating person like you would send your disc. They would rate it professionally, send it back with a certificate yeah. so you could confirm the quality and value of the disc. So, yeah. by the way, I, I texted Hannah about the McPro Destroyer that, uh, she had raffled off and it went for 2500 Okay, it's 25 Yeah. It was pretty exciting to watch. So disc, disc collecting. Um, right now, I DJ probably... DJ saying 420 yes, it's the polka dotted stamp one, pretty much. So I right now have Sexton Firebirds. I lost like my 2015 in um, Memorial Fountain Hill. <laughs> like, I threw it I, a blind I shot. I have a used one. I'm just going to give it to you. Yes, I'll throw it. It's got my name on it, though. I will throw it, though. And it's like, got my phone number. I'll just throw it so people are like, how are you throwing that? I should have right. kept the LVC Firebirds and just threw those. Yeah, right. People, yeah. No. Okay. When, but see, that's a great. That's another great point. When a disc reaches a certain value, like regardless, I don't care if I agree with that value or not. I'm going to sell it because it's worth more to sell it than to than keep to it in a shelf. Yeah. I do like collecting things though. So yeah. maybe let us know some weird collections you have. Yeah. Leave in the comments <laughs> what is the most collectible disc that you guys have, and yeah. Matt. Does that wrap it up? You got an early day well, tomorrow, right? It kind of wraps it up. Do yeah. you want to finish the talk on paying? People wanted to know. Oh, to the MVP. Yeah, we got to talk about okay. that. So here's the deal. I got to use the restroom, though. So <laughs> I'll be right back. You started the talking on it. I'm actually going to peace out real quick. And because this is a live recording, because this is a live recording. We'll edit this out. when. Uh... <laughs> no, we're not editing it out. <laughs> Um, the bathroom's far enough away and the audio won't matter. Okay. <laughs> so here's what I want to say earlier today. And I'm actually just going to pull it up real quick here. Uh, if you're friends with Steve Dodge on social media, whether you like the guy or you don't like the guy, I just had a conversation with him earlier, actually about even that topic, uh, people liking you, not liking you. Um, everybody is a unique individual, including me. And here's what he said. MVP open September 11th through 13th, $100 to be on staff. UN question mark. And then he talks about, he says one or two spotters per hole equals no lost disc. We want live scoring on every card. Um, he says water, general cleaning and parking. Um, he wants staff. Now, when he wrote this, it looks to me like, and this was what Nick said earlier, it looks like it said $100 to be on staff. It sounds to me like you get $100 to be on staff. Now, if you look at the comments, um, 64 comments since uh, earlier today about noon. 
um, people are saying things like, you have to pay to be a staff member. Um, someone said, oh, that $100 is getting you a pretty good pack of swag, it seems like. Uh, someone else said, paying to volunteer, that's a new low, in my opinion. Um, are players allowed to caddy? That looked like it was kind of like, maybe I can get around this $100. And someone said, probably not. The Disc Golf Pro Tour will stop, probably still be in phase one. Someone says, come on. Um, and then people are saying, LMFAO, this is goofy. Um, someone else said, you're a pioneer. This is what you need to do. Um, <clears throat> oh, <laughs> I actually thought you were paying spotters $100 to spot. Once I saw this post being shared everywhere, I reread it and realized you were just being what you are, a disc golf pioneer. Um, someone else said, I thought you were paying people. You have to pay to volunteer your time. Um, so I'm, I'm reading through a lot of the comments here, Nick, as you come back. It says, do you expect to sell out these staff passes? Um, people, there's a lot of people. It costs to be a volunteer. That's a lot of questions. So here's what Steve Dodge's response was, and then we can talk about it. Here's what he said. Without spectators, there's much less income. That is a point to this conversation. Yeah. Without spectators, we would have to turn staff away. Okay. Um, number three, when staff sign up, they don't always show up. When volunteers sign yes, up. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. He uses the word staff, and I think there's a reason because it does sound goofy if you say volunteer, but it also sounds funny to pay. Uh, I feel like this is kind of a loophole, if you will, to the Disc Golf Pro Tour, being able to spectate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and he says, so when staff sign up, they don't always show up. Therefore, giving a staff pack worth more than $100 makes it so we know the staff will show up, give them a chance to spectate, and makes it so we don't have to turn staff away. So, do you agree with Steve Dodge's point here, Nick? Without spectators, there's much less income. Do you agree with that point? Yeah, 100%, because you pay for parking when you come to the event. Yes, at, at Maple Hill. At Maple yeah, Hill. at Maple Hill, yeah. There's other tournaments that do this as well. It's humongous and then also i mean for the first couple of days before a lot of, like all the pros get into town you have a bunch of people coming from say other new englanders coming down to spend the week watching the tournament they come and play the course now so that's potential money that you're losing because people can't drive say from maine to come down and spectate and normally they would play it a round or two before it was closed to the public but um so that's point one yeah i don't know if i understand point two help me understand it without before. spectators we would have to turn staff away. I didn't I didn't understand that. I think it has to do with the idea if there aren't spectators, we don't need as much staff. Maybe. I'm not sure. But three, when staff sign up, they don't always show up. That that I can agree with. And then I mean, he says staff, but I'll say volunteer. There are times where if you you know, you could volunteer for something, it doesn't have to be disc golf related, and then something comes up. Some, something small that you think is just a little bit more important than what you volunteered for and you completely ditch out and potentially don't even tell the people that, oh yeah, hey, I can't make it by the way. Like even though you volunteered for that, if you pay a hundred dollars, obviously and you're, you're getting, getting swag and you're getting swag for it. You're pretty inclined <laughs> to show up to make use out of that hundred dollars. And right. You know, for the lucky people who are doing the UDISC live scoring and you get to watch the top cards go off and Everything like that, hundred dollars. Like, yeah, hundred dollars. Yeah, hundred dollars to watch it in person. It's uh, it <laughs> sounds. Would it you sounds go so to the crazy. Masters? But okay, 
Yeah, see, yeah. Masters, NBA, people yeah. are saying, like, yeah, if you could pay $100 to be a water boy to actually run water for the yeah. NBA, would you do it? You're like, we have people commenting going, yeah, but would you have people pay to come over and clean your house? And it's like, no, it's not the same thing. It's if the product is worth it to that person. And yeah, I what think you, to what a are you lot of people of it? it is. Yeah. It's like, I okay, this is going to sound crazy. I would go clean the house of pick put input your um professional sport hero like i'll go to their house and clean their house and you might say i'm really weird potentially yeah but potentially what you get at that say you get to have dinner with him or her that night yeah. you know what i mean like you, you get something out of it they're not just paying a hundred dollars to volunteer and that's all they're doing for the weekend like they they're are getting swag yeah exactly like and i, I want to make this clear on my end because th to me this is kind of a touchy subject yeah in the sense of you know i I want to see nothing but success for the MVP Open. I want mm -hmm. to see nothing but success for the whole Disc Golf Pro Tour, but especially the MVP Open because it's the local event here for us. I love that event. It's a Pro Tour that I have cashed at. I love playing Maple Hill. I obviously want to see the best for Maple Hill. Um, but this is not something that I personally... I don't think I would do it. And I, and I say... I don't think it's the best idea is because say one of the things you get is I think three discs. When I was in Michigan, a lot of the U disc live scores were middle-aged men, say 40 to 60 years old. Even a bunch of the spotters were over 35, 40, 45, 50. Like there are people out there who, yeah, you could get an MVP open disc that could potentially be a collector's disc. Like we're talking <laughs> about that 58-year-old guy that's spotting on hole seven is probably not thinking, ooh, I'm going to volunteer so that I can get that MVP Neutron and then flip it on DDGA on Facebook later on. Like, they're probably not thinking that. So you're potentially losing spotters of, you know, casual older people who like to come out and watch the sport because now they have to pay $100 for swag. They might never wear an MVP backpack that they're getting. They don't care about the three MVP discs. They're loyal to their favorite pro, and they want to throw what their favorite pro throws. You know, it, it's just stuff to like that. To be clear, though, Nick, nobody is – he's not asking people to pay to volunteer, straight up. He's not saying, hey, I need volunteers, and I want you to pay for it. Yeah. It's not what he's doing. I honestly think, benefit of the doubt, and I talked to him earlier, mm -hmm. what's happening here is – and I'm not speaking for him. I'm literally not. So these are not words from his mouth. Um, what's happening here is he has literally created an opportunity for people who wanted to come and observe. And I'm not going to lie. Let me give this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, if there's no spectators allowed, how is me, Matt Graham, going to observe the MVP in my hometown? And you know what I thought? I'm going to have to volunteer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to work it. Now, how many other people like me were thinking that? Now, there's you, he, he can't, he would have to limit it. What if a thousand people are like, I'm going to go volunteer, Steve? Because like, of, you know, so there's a, no spectators. And so yes, before there's a demand. Know, yeah. So there is a demand. Yep. Okay. And he probably recognized this, obviously, as a demand option. And he goes, okay, I'm out the money because there aren't spectators, which how am I going to fund the event? Mm hmm. And he goes, there are people who want to watch in person that will be willing to wave a flag or spot on a hole that would pay $100 and not complain yeah. about it. They want to do this. There, not there saying, are people who are 1,000%. There are probably going to be a lot more people than we thought are actually going to do this. Okay, and so let me say this. I talked to him earlier. Mm -hmm. 
And he had more people sign up in one day paying $100 per person than he's ever had sign up in one day for volunteering. What does that tell you? People are going to do it. If they want to be there, people are going to, to be it. there. Yeah, they 100%. want to do it. And Dude, these people do I not said, feel they yeah. do not feel slighted. They wanted to do this. Now the yeah. people who are going to feel slighted and I will and I will give them this. Like literally I understand it, but the people who are going to feel slighted are the people who wanted to go and just watch and not volunteer. And I'll just say this yeah. straight up, COVID-19 sucks. Yeah. 100%. Like, it's it's changed everything. Now, yeah. whether you think it's right or wrong to sell a spot for somebody to work at, I'm going to go back to it again. Whether you think disc golf is this yet or not, I would pay to go and work. I would literally go pay to work in the locker room of like some, my favorite NFL team or mm -hmm. NBA team or baseball team. Like I would, are you kidding me? I'll go yeah. clean out the locker rooms. Like a hundred bucks. Did your fam favorite NFL team, did that go from the Patriots to the Buccaneers this last year? No. <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> with the kidding. Patriots. I think I'll be Patriots yeah. fan for life, but I, I'm not yeah. necessarily a as long as I live in Mass, yet. right? I, I'm a Patriots yeah. fan, so we'll see. Todd Todd posted something great on here. He said he was going to sponsor a whole edit tournament to get early registration. People do that a thousand percent. Like people sponsor a hole to make sure the first round that they start on that hole or they sponsor a hole to make sure that they're playing with certain people. Like people pay the extra money to go do what they think is worth it to them. And there are there are people around here who potentially just moved to Massachusetts, never have seen a big event like this, never have met Paul, met Ricky, met Simon or anything like that. And they are without a doubt going to message Steve Judge and say, hey, what's your PayPal? I'm all in. Yep. Put, put me where you need me to be. People so. like you and me and other people who have every year brushed shoulders, walked the course the whole nine yards, mm -hmm. we might say this is a year off for us. And that's fine. Yeah. Well, or, or you're going to play. Playing. Yeah. So it ain't a year <laughs> off. And I'm probably doing media. So like we're both kind of in this unique situation. But like I want to go. It's just you can't look at it one way. You have to see the perspective of the interested party. That's what I'll say. And like you said, COVID sucks. COVID-19 absolutely ruined a crap ton of things that we had going what? on for us this year. And especially because some events were in phase two, spectators were allowed, you know, and one of the other things players got to, you know, cause we're in phase one, Massachusetts is a little bit stricter in certain areas. Same thing with disc Vermont. golf pro tour to be clear is in yeah. phase one. And well, yeah, yeah. Massachusetts, Massachusetts is, is in like, like phase, phase three, three yeah. and a half or something like Whatever that. Whatever that but, means. So for the pro tour being in phase one, one of the new mandates that they're, Ask, telling people to do is while you're on the teeing area, you need to wear a mask. When you're teeing off, you can take it off really quick. But while you are on the teeing area itself, you do need to wear a mask. So it's just, dude, we're we're in a crazy, crazy freaking time. Can right I now. ask this? And I don't know the answer to this. I didn't ask Steve this. But what are other creative options that could have been done? So people are like this. You should never ask people to pay to work. Well, if you look at it that way, it's kind of looking at a half glass full. I mean, mm -hmm. half empty. You can look at it half full and say he came up with a creative option to allow people to still spectate and help because that's what the that's what the disc golf pro tour calls for. Yeah. It says you can't have spectators. So he's creating an opportunity slash also asking for help. OK, mm -hmm. that's the benefit of the doubt. But what else could have been done if let's say it, if I did the math potentially potentially this is a round number. You could have came up with maybe $10,000. If that is literally what he needs, or he's just rolling the dice shooting big and he really only needs five or six, where is he coming up with $6,000 
because COVID's not allowing spectators now. It's kind of resolving backwards. It's not like he could have planned for this. Where do you come up with that? Should he just cancel the event or should he get creative like this? Or is there another way? The disc golf community is very giving. Yeah. Should he have just went out and said, hey, guys, to run the event well, I need $6,000 and I need volunteers. Like, would people have given? Would he have been able to collect 6000 I do not know. Would he have been labeled as worse than he is now asking for $6,000? Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I hear you. And Like, what you are know, the options? A couple of comments coming through. What if $100 to volunteer or you could spend... I'm not going to say a thousand, but you could spend two hundred dollars to caddy for Paul or caddy for Ricky or caddy for Eagle. There, there are, are people. There, there yeah. are people that ten billion percent would probably pay five hundred bucks to spend the weekend caddying for one of their favorite top pros. There's there are people that are going to do that. So I, like I said, I hope nothing for the best. What about Foundation Disc Golf? Remember we talked about their Patreon levels. Yeah. Do you know what the highest Patreon level is? It's like 500 a month. Yeah, it's like 500. Uh, I don't know if it's a month or a <laughs> I think couple it times is for like six months. Yeah, for like six months or something like that. It's And what do they get? I, I have no idea I what think the levels are. I, I, forget. I think it's, yeah, there's too you, many. They like, they like fly you out and, and you, you get, get to play, play around with Brody and Paul yeah. and hang out with the foundation guys and Hunter Some as people well and Trevor. are furious. Yeah. How are you charging that much money for that? Like, what's wrong with you guys? That's horrible. That's it's gouging, right? There are people that are going to do it. There are people that are doing it. From my understanding, I think I heard that. I don't remember through who. I don't yeah. think it was you. How would I have heard that? I don't know. Nick? No. I don't know. <laughs> I literally I don't know. Don't know. Maybe saying. I just dreamed it. But the, yeah. the reality is people are going to do it. And there's people that are willing to spend that money. No mm -hmm. problem. And if some people are willing to spend $100 to go on the course and observe while they hold a flag in their hands, it's worth it to them, then they want to do that. And there's going to be people who don't. Just like some people like buying nice cars. Well, maybe this doesn't equate. <laughs> and some people don't. You buy what's valuable to you. Literally. Like, mm -hmm. I want the extra feature. I don't. Um, it, and besides that, the swag that you get, I think it's going to be a fair exchange in a lot of ways. You can tell he was not trying to just have a money grab. As it, He needs the money. Mm -hmm. But he's providing equal value back. Plus the opportunity to spectate. Yeah. So I don't know, Nick. It's, it's like tough. you hope the best. Yeah. I hope the best. From what I'm understanding, you know, one of the comments that we're getting is Idlewild didn't have to do this. Why does a paid course with less room and less need for spotters need to do this? I think honestly, it's, it's, it's it was planned earlier. Okay, so Idlewild probably has never charged for parking at that event. Have they? When you went, do you remember? I, I, I personally don't remember. I, I. Pretty sure it's on a, I think it's a free course from my understanding. Right. I'm pretty sure it's a free course. I don't think they charge parking there. So um, someone says Idlewild, but here's the yeah. deal. Like they're, Maple they're, Hill has been doing this tournament for X amount of years, a long time. Mm -hmm. And they plan on and bring in a certain amount of money every single yeah. year for this event. That is what they count on. And so now not to have it, they have to figure out a way because that was part of their plan. Now, had they had a year or longer to plan this portion out, Maybe they go, and I'm sure they, they maybe they don't do it this way. Um, but I, I still don't think it's a bad thing to do. And I think the future of disc golf, this could be it. Because honestly, the larger the sport gets, do you think um, the NBA, if they said, hey, we need volunteers, do, would they have to turn people away? Yeah, they would have There'd to turn people There'd be way too many away. people. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm you curious have to if charge. They would, yeah, I'm curious if the NBA would charge for a volunteer to do something. I I, I don't know. I've, <laughs> I've never experienced. You can't call it a volunteer. It would have to be called like a disc golf experience yeah. where you get to be a flagger for the day on yeah, a pro exactly. course. Like, we can't use the word volunteer. If I, you're I, I think what's tough is, you know, this pandemic just all of a sudden came and it screwed everything up with the tour, restarting the tour, every other sport that we love. It's going through their you know, headaches and growing pains with it. But, um, you know, Maple Hill every year has charged for parking. That's X amount of dollars that continuously came into the event. And you kind of, you kind of bank on that, yeah. you know, you've been Why doing it for, you? you know, what's it been going on since 2003, 2004, potentially. I mean, let's say 16 years of this event going on You're 16 years worth of, you know, paid parking potentially. So that's money that you, figured you were going to get this year and that could have been the hump of you know i had six thousand dollars out of cash now i have eight thousand dollars out of cash it's a weird spot it people are gonna do it i wish nothing but the best for mvp oh the, he's gonna get i think he's yeah, gonna get loads he's, of volunteers uh, yeah i think it's gonna be the same when i just went up to Glow, i think every single card is gonna have a udisc live score i think holes are gonna have one to two spotters per person and it's pretty crazy because I, I don't remember last year if every single hole had two spotters, but that's what he's going for this year. Michigan, all the big holes for the most part had just about two spotters. And there's a lot of easy areas you can lose discs, but uh, hmm. very Ma cool. Maple Hill, like hole one, dude, you throw into those Christmas trees and you're, you, you don't for pinpoint. Yeah. I, I, a couple weeks I ago, I just did I it spent, today. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, I spent like 45 minutes looking for one of my favorite discs and it was tucked inside of a Christmas tree that's kind where of they, on the edge. And, you know. Oh, someone asked if it goes to Maple Hill. Yeah, I, I was it, just about the, to respond money, to that. The money I, does not go directly to Maple Hill. I can't yeah. speak exactly to that. But the reality is. I don't is, know. It. I'd, I, I'd love to pick Steve's brain about this. And then well, maybe, I, you know. I kind of did today. Yeah. I, the reality is this. And I'll just say it. Hate it or like it. It's He's he's a private. Or, I say he. It's a private organization running an, an event. Uh, technically a private event. Okay. What they do with their money. Everyone can choose whether to support it or not. Mm hmm um, if he's asking for it and he's providing something that somebody wants as a product, then and people want to do that, that's up to them. I don't care where that money goes. I, I can't say I don't care. If I found out where that money goes and I didn't yeah, support we it, do care, but, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. My point is, like, it, I don't have any concerns at this point. That's what I should say. Not that I don't care. I don't have any concerns that it's going anywhere that it shouldn't. Um, I think it's it's going to be used to benefit the tournament, not to make money profit. Um, it's going to support the people who run the event, um, as well as the tournament itself, the players are going to benefit, um, a, a more enjoyable experience. Okay. Um, so anyways, um, I think we kind of talked through this a lot Yeah, we could ramble on forever, but I think we talked through most of the points. Yeah. Matt, Idlewild's coming up. Who do you got winning it? Oh, man, I think Paul's going to be there. But after his last uh, performance, Paul, Paul is going to be there, by the no, way. No, but I mean like top card, yeah. like when I don't know if he's going to Are you hoping it. to film him? Well, I was kind of thinking if he makes Chase card, I was like, it's actually not a bad chance that he does get on Chase card at some point in three rounds. I'm pretty sure the year he won in 2018, he won it from the Chase card. Yeah. And that's a pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool to I film. I think Central Coast filmed that. So I think Kevin Jones is going to be a force at this event. Yeah, he's on fire right James now. James Conrad. Yep. Typically. James won it in 2017. Yeah, typically really plays well there. Um, so I don't know who I'm going to film or who I'm not, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I will try to post a little bit on my social media, my individual social media. Um, 
but I'm going to be super busy. I think we're going to be editing literally probably as soon as rounds done till three or four in the morning every, oh, every day. So at um, least you get to sleep in a little bit going into the, <laughs> I will be card. totally yeah. messed up though. <laughs> oh yeah. Coming back. Gosh, yeah. We'll have to see the next show that I come in, but yeah. so I think we talked through everything. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I will say this. It didn't, it felt like a kind of typical show for the most part, but like our guest was a little different. It wasn't as high was, profile yeah. in the disc golf world. It was very interviewee at the beginning, which yeah. normally, we understand know, for, that. normally for podcasts, you're kind of talking about topics with a person that knows about the topics that you're going to talk about. Mike Shue is obviously kind of a local legend around here. Um, it's really cool to hear him talk. Literally, it's he's got a pretty incredible voice for radio stuff. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. Yeah, he's gonna. We're gonna pay him to be our new welcome, like EA Sports. It's in the game. We'll we'll find that guy. So, and then we did bring some of our segments, but it just felt a little different. But we we appreciate you guys. And I said last week after Kona was on the show, I said somewhere, or I said it somewhere during the show. yeah. Yeah, I said. Kona, because you come on, I bet you we're going to get another 200 followers this yeah, week. I'm and we didn't even now. We didn't even go a full week. We're at Wednesday evening. If you, yeah, well, we're this is recorded Wednesday evening. We're up to 900. We got over 200 this week. So whether that's thank you, Kona, or thank you, everybody else, for enjoying our show, we totally appreciate it. Yeah, we're literally 40. 40 followers away on, from the big thousand giveaway thousand subscriber giveaway we did not tease it in the beginning of the show did we nope okay so hopefully because people... i don't want people tuning in just for the giveaway okay no i'm just kidding so uh, yeah i do want you to tune you gotta in be um yeah. when, when you hit a thousand then we'll pick yeah. a number between one and a thousand and figure out the, the winner um and i will say this so it's on record we were giving away a birdie disc golf game and this was like show three or whatever it was um, we did oh, yeah. try to reach out to the individual. We could not find a way to do it through YouTube or any other way. There was no contact information. We shouted it out on the next episode that this individual won. And honestly, I forget his name. So go back to this uh, the, the show after Steve Dodge if you think you might have won. Yeah, four it's in the five. beginning. It's in the beginning of the show. I'm pretty sure. So Steve, uh, the show after Steve Dodge. And listen, and here's the deal. We're going to give it like another week or two, and then we will do another drawing for the birdie disc golf game. Yeah. Okay. So um, go check out if that was you. You would have had to been in our first, what was it? 500 500? followers? Yeah. So if you're not in our first 500 followers, then you're not going to win it anyways. But um, anyways, we appreciate all the support, the listens, the views, the shares, the likes, everything you guys do. Um, it literally inspires us to keep going. Yeah. We, we don't know Crazy. where this is going to go. Three months. We've been doing it three months now. And, you know, we're, I'm having a fun time doing it. I feel like you're having a fun time doing it. A lot of our listeners that coming back every single week, comments and everything like that. It seems like a lot of people are enjoying it. Matt and I like to we talk. So we don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. We have, we have literally. no idea. We're next week. It's just canceled. Yeah. The show's done for good. We might have merch next week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We definitely will not have merch next week. Unless we hire somebody. Yeah, We're exactly. going to have to pay volunteers to work for us. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. pay us. Yeah. They pay us a hundred dollars <laughs> for them to make our shirts. <laughs> they, yeah. And in return, pay us they get two sweatshirts. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> okay. We got to yeah, go. Everybody. Thank you. Please like subscribe, comment, all that fun stuff. We really appreciate you being on the show. Until next week, guys, we'll see you then. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.